And now, introducing, it's Would You Rather Wednesday, but every day is Glenn's Day. Doesn't matter what your friends say, he's icy hot like Ben Gay. Bars, he is Glenn Clark. You've been work. You've been on one recently. I don't know what's going on, man. Sometimes I just feel music. Are you man. are you trying to are you trying to get a deal? Is that what's going on right now? <laughs> yeah. like Hopefully, Sony to, Records is yeah, listening. Right. Every day they're tuned in. They're trying to find out what's going on. All right. Good uh, morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. He is Paul. We are here for the next couple of hours. Lots of uh, hoops on the docket. As tonight, Navy plays for the Patriot League title, and coming up a little bit later on this morning, you did say we're doing that eleven. Right? Can we, did we? Did you put that in the rundown? I, I did not, but I will add it. All right, we should uh, we should cover that. Eleven o'clock. We're gonna catch up with uh, Richard Njoku, the uh, senior forward for Navy men's basketball, as they get ready to play Colgate tonight for the Patriot League title and a trip to the NCAA tournament. In just a couple of minutes, we're gonna catch up with a former UMBC assistant, Griff Aldrich, who is now the head coach at Longwood. And they are headed to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history. And he's got a cool story. Is he was doing something where he was having far more success than he, or making at least far more money um, than you do coaching basketball. And he gave it up to sort of pursue this dream of being a basketball coach. Hooked up with uh, his buddy Ryan Odom at UMBC, and now is headed to the NCAA tournament as a head coach, which is very cool. So. Looking forward to catching up with Griff Aldrich just in a couple of minutes. Uh, also this morning, it's Wednesday, so Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com, and we'll, of course, play Would You Rather Wednesday as we do every week. Today's show brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Who else? That's where I'm going to be on Sunday. Sunday starting at 3 o'clock, I'm going to be hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel for both the Big Ten title game and the NCAA tournament selection show. So we'll be there straight through the afternoon. I'm going to be joined by a Baltimore basketball legend, former Terp, Dunbar's own Rodney Elliott is going to be hanging out with me. You know him as Noodles. He'll be there. We'll be watching the game. We'll be offering you some tips, some advice about betting, looking at those prop bets for the selection show. Maybe even going ahead and giving you some bracket advice as well. It's going to be a fun day hanging out. In the FanDuel Sportsbook, we're going to have giveaways. We're going to have um, all sorts of stuff going on. So you'll want to be there with us. If you want to guarantee your spot for this Sunday, or more importantly, for the first few days of the NCAA tournament, I would email events at sportssocialmd.com. That's the best way to go about guaranteeing your spot in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, all right, so a few things to cover. Obviously, after we finished the show yesterday, the Russell Wilson news broke. Um, you know, it's funny because I said something like, hey, everybody's expecting it's going to be kind of a, a, a more boring quarterback carousel than everybody thinks it's going to be, and then all of a sudden, woo! It's surprising in that the reporting in the weeks leading up to it was that the Seahawks weren't going to do it. And I'll go back to the other part of it that's surprising. It's surprising that the Seahawks would get rid of Russell Wilson and hold on to Pete Carroll. That. I don't get that at all. And with all due respect to Pete Carroll, if I was picking one of them, it would probably be Russell Wilson. In fact, I don't know how that's debatable. It would definitely be Russell Wilson. I would be more inclined to have Russell Wilson with a different coach and maybe a different concept and all of those things than I would be to give Pete Carroll a shot with whoever the quarterback is going to end up being. It seems like people seem to believe that They'll now use the Broncos' number nine pick on one of these quarterbacks, although, again, 
most draft analysts don't think one of these quarterbacks is really worth being the number nine overall pick in the draft. So we'll see how that plays out. They did, of course, also get Drew Locke. So Pete Carroll and Drew Locke could be a combination a year from now. I am, I'm not all that concerned, of course, because we don't cover the Seahawks, right? Like, why would I care what it is the Seahawks are doing? What I did, you know, follow up on and what a lot of people were talking about was this is the reason when I'm talking about the possibility of a trade, this is what I'm talking about. If Lamar Jackson feels like he's being lowballed by the Baltimore Ravens, I would demand immediately to be traded because it is such a desperate market. I know people in Seattle think that, like, Literally, there are people in Seattle that are unhappy with the returns on the Russell Wilson trade. Oh, they got a king's ransom. They got a lot. They got a lot. But the reason being, he's 33 years old, yeah. and he's he's sort of appeared to be on the downside of his career of late. And look, that could just be it was a bad situation, and you get him to the right place, he's Russell Wilson again, right? But he's 33 years old. That's part of the factor here. And yet they still got two first-round picks, two second-round picks, Noah Fant, who everybody thinks of as a high-level player. Shelby Harris, who everybody thinks of as a high-level player. And whatever you want to say about Drew Locke, at least he's somebody that could play quarterback for them if necessary. I would not. Clearly, that would not be the plan that I would have if I were the Seahawks. But it would be an option. They got a lot because that's how desperate this quarterback market is. There are so many teams that don't have quarterbacks. The Seahawks now enter that list. The Saints have no quarterback. The Panthers have no quarterback. The Commanders, I still, I'm struggling, have <laughs> no quarterback. None. And we're not even talking about the teams like the Colts, who technically have a quarterback, but nobody thinks they can do anything with them. There is an unreal need in the quarterback market. And if for whatever reason... The Ravens are lowballing Lamar Jackson. Randy Mueller's right. They don't believe in the style long term, or they don't they don't believe in him long term, or whatever it is. And I'm Lamar Jackson. I'm demanding a trade. Because there is a team that is more than happy to give me a boatload of money right now because they have nothing at the quarterback position. People in Pittsburgh must be ripping their hair out right now. They're, they, they're, they're they, top two targets this offseason. And 100%, they're on that list. They're 100% on the list of teams that don't have a viable quarterback. Again, all these teams have guys they could throw out there. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the Steelers can throw Mason Rudolph out there if they want. He's not a viable NFL quarterback. There is no world in which that's the case as of today. Could it change? You know, could he turn out to be a legitimate quarterback? I guess. But as of today, he's not a legitimate quarterback. And they know that because they're trying to go get the other quarterbacks. They realize the guy can't do it. We don't have a quarterback. we got to get somebody. And everybody feels the same way about this year's quarterback class. And it's the same side of the equation, as I said. If the Ravens know they're never going to pay Lamar Jackson for whatever reason, they've just decided that, then they shouldn't play the game where they tag him a couple. They shouldn't do the Kirk Cousins thing. They, too, should read the tea leaves and say, this is the best market that has existed in a very long time for trading a quarterback. I, don't, I think it'd be nuts. I think it'd be in bonkers. I think it'd be insane. But if they've made that decision, they should be looking to trade Lamar Jackson 
not be looking to hold on to him and, well, let's see what happens and go from there. Again, I think it's crazy, and I don't believe that's the case. I believe, much like Randy Mueller, that as awkward as everything is, at some point, cooler heads are going to prevail here, and they're going to get a, a deal done. Aaron Rodgers alleges it's not a four-year, five hundred million or two hundred million dollars. Imagine four years, five hundred million, one hundred twenty-five million oh, a year. Oh hell! Although you could make an argument at the market if somebody was worth it. Um, Aaron Rodgers alleges that's not the deal that he's agreed to in Green Bay. He doesn't explain what it is, but he alleges that the numbers are inaccurate that have been reported. Okay, I you know. If it ain't, it's probably somewhere pretty close. All of the word has been that there's going to be a $50 million quarterback, like that Aaron Rodgers was likely to get to that number. So whether he does or doesn't, I, I, we'll find out. He alleged on Twitter that the numbers that were reported were off, that he, was, he is indeed coming back to the Packers, but the numbers that were reported were off. We'll see. I mean, like we'll, we'll get those answers pretty quickly here. Ultimately, that's, that's about where this is going to go. This is what Josina Anderson said last week. If you're Lamar Jackson, why are you in a rush? Let everybody else go ahead and get those $50 million deals and then say, now here's the number. There's still going to be a team that needs a quarterback in a month, so if the Ravens still are unwilling to go that route, you can still say, go trade me. You know, I guess there's the risk that teams at that point have used top picks on quarterbacks and don't want to you know, make a move at that point and want to – even if they don't fully believe in Matt Coral, they got to pretend they believe in Matt Coral, something like that. The market is weird. The market is quarterback desperate. I have no idea how the Russell Wilson thing is going to work out in Denver. There have been a lot of points that have been made where, like, yeah, there's a great roster there and there's a lot to like about what it is they've done, but do we know for sure that Russell Wilson is still in the prime of his career? Do we know with certainty that Russell Wilson is going to go there? And even if he does, Kansas City is still in that division. The Chargers are still in that division. Do we know with certainty that the Broncos can win something of significance after doing all of this to get Russell Wilson? And the answer, of course, is we don't. But what we do know is that if they don't have Russell Wilson, they have no chance. It's what I keep coming back to with these quarterback conversations. I'm going back and forth with a bunch of people about this yesterday. You either have a quarterback or you don't. You don't have to have Patrick Mahomes. I get it where you say this guy isn't worth Patrick Mahomes' money. I understand your argument, but it's been very clear. Matt, Matt Stafford is not Patrick Mahomes, but he won a Super Bowl a year ago. You have to have a really good one. And the market works simply. You have a really good one, you pay them an ungodly amount of money because it gives you a chance. You don't have a really good one, you have no chance. Simple as that. All right, it is, of course, March, and so college basketball is front and center. And what a story. Uh, this, this coach, this team is, as they get ready now for the NCAA tournament, this man, we got to know him when he was an assistant here at UMBC. He's now the head coach down at Longwood, and they are going dancing for the first time in school history after winning the Big South Tournament. It is a pleasure to welcome to GCR Coach Griff Aldrich, who's with us now. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul back in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on a tournament run. 
Thanks, guys. It's uh, good to good to visit with you guys again. Well, it's great to chat with you, Coach. You know, I, I've it's funny when you were here. I did not know all of the details of your story, and I, you know, I was reading Feinstein's piece, and this really blows me away. At some point, does does all of this make it all worth it? Like, do you wake up and say, you know what, I probably could be making a lot more money doing something else right now, but this this was the dream. This is why I wanted to do this. Well, I, to be honest with you. Uh, like it honestly wasn't the dream. Um, you know, I had kind of reconciled myself, um, to, you know, when we left, uh, Houston, my, my wife and I with our kids left in to, to come join Ryan at UMBC, you know, we actually kind of thought, Hey, our, our, our role is going to be, uh, in a support role and just to, you know, be in, in, in basketball, but, but equally importantly, just to to be involved with with the lives of of uh, our players and and staff, and so this was you know this was never on uh, our radar for sure. Um, my my uh, dream, if I had one, um, was was much more. Hey, I'm gonna you know hang with my buddy Ryan. Uh. It was his first head coaching gig and I'm going to try to help him in any way I can. And, and, uh, we'll have a blast doing it while, while, uh, trying to pour into the guys. Well, as it turns out, that worked out well too. (laughs) That also was pretty good for you. Um, coach the experience. How, how did this happen at Longwood, right? Like, how did you go into a place where, you know, you, you got a program like Winthrop that's been a power for a long time in that league. You have a school that's that's never been to the NCAA tournament. How did it occur that you were able to get there and get this program to a place where, you know, obviously not only did you win, but you won, you know, you kind of you were pretty dominant in route to winning the Big South this year. Well, you know, I I think it, it is funny. You know, Ryan and I still talk almost every day and and I think we share a lot of the same values which is we want to recruit, you know, we wanted to, to build a program um, with with high character and high quality people. Um, and and that starts with the staff. You know, one of the main things for us here at Longwood is, is we wanted to assemble a staff that was really, you know, focused on investing in our, in our players and uh, their development both, you know, on and off the court. And I think that's been you know, a huge piece to this that doesn't get talked about enough um, is uh, we have a tremendous staff that is constantly invested in our guys. Um, and then obviously the second piece is, you know, finding finding the right guys. And I've said this a lot, and I think it's true at UMBC as well. You know, there are plenty of basketball players who are talented enough to, to play at our level. Um, and so the talent isn't really the challenge, uh, in my opinion, it's, mm-hmm. it's oftentimes more, do they have the talent and the character to, to kind of fit the culture that, that you're trying to build and establish. And I think we've been really fortunate over the past few years to, you know, identify and attract some, some guys who, who fit that mold. And then once they've gotten here, um, to really buy into what we're, what we're trying to do. And it's been a lot of fun to just kind of see the growth and transformation of our players. Um, you know, not unlike what, what we saw at, at UMBC sure. with, yeah. with guys like Joe Sherburn, who, 
um, you know, really transformed, uh, you know, Jarris Lyles between, you know, the two years that I was there. I mean, he was just a different person. Um, I think Brandon Horvath, you know, fits that mold. And obviously I'm naming some good players, but, um, you know, that was true for, for the role guys as well. He is Griff Aldrich. He is the head coach at Longwood, of course, former assistant at UMBC that gave up a lucrative career as a lawyer in order to do this. And it, it's working out quite well for him as he gets ready for the NCAA tournament. Coach, you know, you've, you've brought up Brian Odom's name a couple of times, and you know the affinity that we have for Ryan around here, and I can tell just by hearing you talk about him the affinity that you have for him. What were the best things that you learned from him during that time that you spent together? And, you know, is there anything that you do as a coach that you're like, you know, you sort of giggle at because I know I only do that because the time that I spent around Ryan or the demeanor that I keep or whatever it is that maybe you learned during the time that you spent with Ryan Odom? Well, you know, it's, Yes, I mean, I, 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 so much of what I do uh, is is impacted by Ryan. Ryan and I, you know, were best friends in college, but we also could not be more different than one another. Interesting. I am. He is calm and cool, and you know, not relaxed, but he's much more even keel. Oh, like I, I'm fiery and intense and. Uh, you know, never, never relaxing. And, um, so I constantly think about Ryan, uh, and how he would handle a situation because I know I'm on a scale of one to 10 on intensity. I'm at about 12 or 13 (laughs) and I think about Ryan. Um, but I will say, you know, Ryan is, um, you know, I'm a hard grader, uh, and, um, one of the greatest joys of, of, and I'm going to say this, of my adult life, uh, was the opportunity to watch a great friend up close and personal, um, you know, work his craft and to be really, really good at it. And um, there were days at UMBC where I would just be in awe of, man, how did he think to do that? Or that was, man, that was a perfect thing to say. Um, and it, you know, so, um, and, you know, Ryan's a close personal friend, so I know his warps as well. Um, but, you know, it's really a great joy to, to kind of see him up close and, and personal and how he ran things. And, you know, there were a lot of things, you know, over those two years that we were together. And even still now, we talk about our programs, how we would do things or what we should do in a particular situation. Um, and, you know, I think, um, you know, his calm and his demeanor um, and his ability to to provide confidence to his team um, where I'm kind of a, hey, let's all just work harder. Um, you know, there needs to be a balance. And probably the biggest thing that, that I took from him uh, was that. And um, I'm a control freak. Uh, and Ryan is, hey, let's, you know, let's put him in a position and go let him make plays. And I have, like, really catapulted towards that uh, in many ways just as a result of watching him uh, coach. I mean, you're you're still uh, emotional, though, right? Like, you still still got the – 
you know, it, Ryan, Ryan, you guys would win the biggest games in the history of the school, and you wouldn't get any emotion out of him. I'd like to hope that you showed a little emotion after you won uh, the Big South tournament. Uh, oh yeah, well, no, we're very different in that yeah. regard. You can, you can, you can watch if you watch me, coach. Uh, I think I was still coaching with about three minutes left, up twenty, um, and like like we were down five. Um, <laughs> but that's just my personality. But yeah, it's it's uh, we're definitely different in that regard. I imagine it's not very difficult for you to get this group of guys to believe that they're capable of winning. Uh, whatever the first round game is that you guys end up with in the tournament, given your own history, I imagine you don't have to try too hard in order to get them to buy in. Well, you know, I, I I think so, but I think you know where we'll really kind of push them is is much more of um, this. We've got a mature team, and we've got a team that their chemistry is is about as good as any team that I've been a part of. Um, and I really think it's that chemistry, uh, and their love for one another, which has been the secret to our success. Um, we've got a lot of talented guys, um, but a lot of teams do. And, but the difference I think for our team or, or one of the key elements has been, they've really been willing to sacrifice, um, their own personal accolades and their own personal glory uh, for the betterment of the team. Again, very similar to that UMBC team where right. we had guys like Jordan Grant who had started for years and then boom, KJ Mora comes in and and now Jordan needs to, to play a, a key critical role for us, but he's he's not starting. Um, you know, on our team this year at Longwood, Jordan Perkins is a grad transfer. He started for four years at, at North Carolina Central is the number two all-time uh, assist leader in North Carolina Central's history. And he comes to Longwood, and my my guess is he wasn't thinking that he was going to now start to come off the bench, um, you know, for the first time in his collegiate career. But that is a young man who said, hey, that's the role that we need uh, me to play, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and I'm going to have a smile on my face, and I'm going to lead these guys. And uh, he's he's been tremendous at that. It, it really does. What you're describing really does r- remind me a lot of, of that group that you guys had, that incredible group in 2018. Again, we'll see what happens, but um, you like the parallels. With that in mind, are, are you going to attempt this week to like replicate anything that you guys did in 2018? Are you a superstitious guy at all? Do you... You know, do you do you do you do you root for like Grant Hill's team to come work your games? Like, do you do anything <laughs> like that to try to replicate what it is that you guys did in the lead up to the Virginia game in eighteen? No, no, not at all. I'm I'm probably the least superstitious coach, and and I'm I'm confident that what I wear has nothing to do with how we're going to play. Well, it makes one of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I heard an announcer the other day say, all coaches are super. I was like, no, not all of us. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I uh, it's very different. You know, we, we had, we've had a full week off, um, uh, where, you know, if you'll remember, we, we beat Vermont in that, you know, uh, heroic shot by Jarris uh, on Saturday. Then we traveled all Saturday to get home. And then Selection Sunday was, you know, 18 hours later. 
Um, and so this is a little bit different. We've got a little bit more time. Um, I have no idea where we'll be seated. Um, and, uh, you know, I assume kind of a 16 or a 15, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll just kind of continue to do what we've done here, which is try to be really process oriented, try to, you know, sharpen our saw a little bit on, on what we do. Uh, and then really kind of, uh, you know, the Sunday game against Winthrop, the guys really just executed at a high level and, uh, you know, just again, uh, impress upon them the importance of, of their, their mental focus, um, to, to make sure that that's, that's critical to, to what we want to do. Coach, uh, congratulations, first of all. I mean, it's it, you, your story, seeing your beautiful family and, you know, th- this, this dream that you're living out and everybody that, that you've touched. And even in, the, in this community, I've, I've talked to so many people that are just so happy for you and have become kind of Longwood fans now moving forward and looking forward to seeing you shock the world. Congratulations on, on everything that you've accomplished down there. Whatever it ends up being, best of luck to you. And thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. Well, we, I appreciate it. We, Baltimore will always have a, uh, a special place in our heart. Uh, we, uh, we, we love it. Uh, loved it there. Um, a quick, a uh, quick aside, if I have a second, yeah, of course. Uh, one of the, one of the neat things we, we went to, uh, a, a church, uh, uh, called resurrection, uh, in, in Baltimore and, and, uh, still talk to the pastor there a lot, David wow. Drake. Uh, and, um, and, uh, as soon as we won the semifinal game, my wife got a text uh, from some, some good friends from the, from the church there. And it was a picture of them in their car, uh, making the seven hour drive to Charlotte, wow. uh, two, fa- two families. So, wow. uh, we, we love it. We loved it. there. still have a bunch of great friends there and, and certainly a lot of wonderful memories. I didn't even think about the Charlotte parallel, by the way. I didn't even think about that as we're doing this. I guess it's a pretty, been a pretty good place for you to be over Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Ryan, Ryan did say Charlotte's a pretty good spot. Man, no <laughs> doubt, right? You might want yeah. to start thinking about investing somewhere down there. <laughs> hey, Coach, congratulations again. And seriously, th- I know it's a busy week. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes to chat with us. Best of luck in the tournament, all right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Griff Y'all Aldrich. Yep, you as well, uh, head coach at Longwood. And uh, very cool story. Again, I mean, when I, the, the guy was making significantly more money in his career as an attorney. Feinstein wrote about it in the Washington Post this week. I did not know this uh, when Griff Aldridge was at UMBC. He was making, if not very close to seven figures, as a very high-powered lawyer and just sort of coaching basketball as like a funsy side project. Like, you know, he just he still had it in his blood from his own playing career. It was just still something he enjoyed doing. But he was making real money as an attorney and just gave it up. Went to his wife. They talked about it. Ryan Odom. He had the connections. They, you know, were old teammates and close friends. Ryan Odom gets the job at UMBC, uh, at the D1 level, and he's like, "Look, man." He takes the lowest level assistant coaching job that's available at UMBC that pays next to nothing. His wife says, "I'm on board. I'm willing to do it." They move up. He gets this opportunity at Longwood. Now he's in the NCAA tournament. It's an incredible story. It's awesome. Al- it, it's awesome, man. And, and it's cool because you know that this guy did that thing. Did this thing as an attorney, 
probably got himself a nice little nest egg so that he could chase his pet. Right, it, it certainly helps. And, and I want to make that very clear. Somebody's going to say, well, it sounds, you, 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 you sound like someone going and joining the military. I'm not trying to suggest that he made like some sort of ultimate sacrifice. It's still a cool story. It's still neat to see someone who says, this is my dream, I want to live it out, touches people's lives in the process, is very well liked, and, and goes and accomplishes something that literally had never happened before in Farmville, Virginia. I know a thing or two actually about Farmville because my uh, my wife's Facebook. Un- What's that? Facebook. That remember Farmville back in the day? Oh, that was, oh, that was a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. actually about the real Farmville. <laughs> um, my wife's uncle was the rugby coach at Longwood University for a long time, and I always giggled whenever I saw someone wearing a Longwood hat because I'm perpetually 12 years old, right? Like that's just the way that it works. It's sort of like the way that everybody you you knew Moorhead, Moorhead, of course, but also like growing up, it seemed like you you if you had a group of 10 people, at least one of them owned a Cox hat from mm-hmm. South Carolina, right? <laughs> I had a like you owned that and Moorhead. Of course they did. Of course they did. So I always giggled about it. It was never a basketball school in any way. And yet Griff Aldridge has managed to get them to the NCAA tournament, which is just a really cool story. So it's cool, and he did it. He did it responsibly, and he proved that you can never be too. It's I like never no, too like to chase your dreams. I like no more about responsibly. What's the irresponsible way? The, the, of the, doing irrespo- it. the irresponsible way of doing it is to, yeah. to not have your nest egg, to, to to just leave a job and I, uh, and take something that's less guess. paying and, <laughs> and, and, and struggle. He did I it guess. in what I would con- All right. consider All right. that's a responsible that's way. Interesting. Um, look, man, I'm happy for him. I'm really happy for yeah. him, and I appreciate him taking the time for it. And I'll be rooting for Longwood. Uh, you know, th- I got to think of there's no one that they could play in the first round that I would root against. I don't think. Of course, when I when I make that when I see the brackets, if it's Villanova, who I just put a boatload of money on to win, the, not a boatload to win, but I made a I put a good amount of money on them to go to the Final Four, and I sprinkled a little money on them to win the NCAA tournament. So when the brackets come out and they face Villanova in the first round, it's gonna be very awkward for me. Gonna be a little uncomfortable to say that I'm rooting for Longwood at that I, point. I can't wait for the day when I have sprinkle money. It's sprinkle money is a very <laughs> little amount of money. You've got <laughs> sprinkle money. I assure I you. I don't know, man. It's a very small amount of money that you sprinkle on them because the odds are good. So if you hit even on a little bit of money, you're making some money. That's the idea. It's the other side. It's where you hammer something. If you've got that money, if you're betting something that has negative odds, that's a different scenario altogether. I uh, I don't really have that type. Of, I don't have hammer type of money to be betting on things. Uh, it was a 50-50 night for me. As again, I mostly took Jeremy's suggestions last night. I did I I did go rogue on. I think I bet Northern Kentucky, and that fell apart. <sighs> can't win them all. That's what the kids say. You can't win them all. Uh, it's what it is. I uh, I mostly had a decent night last night. In term, mostly had a decent night, and I put on a a couple. Um, you know what? I actually did. You know what I actually did? I did, I did this sometimes for emotional reasons. I also put money on uh, Navy for tonight, and just to to say that I did it. Just to, you know, I I both put money on them on the points and on the money line. Um. I like. I actually really do like the points. I really do like that. The money line. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. There was a great piece yesterday in uh, Five Thirty Eight about. I know Aaron on uh, Simply the Bets yesterday was saying it's a misnomer to think it's particularly difficult to beat a team for the third time in a year, but there was more research done by the folks at Five Thirty Eight, given some more recent data, data about specifically when a team is considered the better team by computer rankings, 
that team struggles to beat a team for a third time, the numbers dip to something like it's 50-50 in the third game. So hopefully that streak continues for Navy tonight against Colgate. We will find out. I guess this would be an appropriate time for me to say that you should know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Three scenarios are up for Would You Rather Wednesday. A few of you are already struggling. I'm not surprised by that. I don't know why it's difficult when we play Would You Rather. It's a game that's existed throughout time. It's not new. I've been playing it for centuries. It's a parlor game. You give two scenarios. They're not always pleasant scenarios. Sometimes they're both pleasant. Sometimes neither are pleasant. They're not always realistic scenarios, believe it or not. When you play Would You Rather Wednesday and you say, Would you rather lose a finger or a toe? It's not like somebody's going to actually rip off your finger or your toe. I don't know why we struggle with these sometimes and get people that say, I don't want either. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. It's very helpful. You've, you've, you've added something to the internet today. Congratulations. I, too, consider myself a hero. You've really just thumbs up all around. That being said, the scenarios are up. They are available for you, and you can get your answers in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter right now. I'll go ahead and give the three scenarios, then we'll talk about them more when Drew Forrester joins us. Scenario number one, would you rather the Ravens indeed give Lamar Jackson the same deal that Aaron Rodgers may or may not be getting, four years and $200 million, or they trade him to the Texans for a similar package as what the Broncos got, or what the Broncos gave up, sorry, including Davis Mills replacing Drew Locke. So I can't give you the entirety of I don't know who the replacement players are. I'm not gonna go we're not gonna go that far into the weeds, but a similar deal, a couple of first rounders, a couple of second rounders, a couple of players, and it includes someone who could play quarterback if you so choose. That's scenario number one. Scenario number two, the math has been done. With just one month of going back to hard quarantine, we can get gas prices back below $3 for the rest of the year. Or, no, this sucks, but we're not doing that again. And number three, would you rather? Maryland loses to Michigan State tomorrow night in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. Then they promptly shock the world by hiring away Tony Bennett from Virginia to be their next head coach. Nobody would see that coming. Or Maryland shocks the world, wins an upset-heavy Big Ten tournament, and I drew out the path for you. Michigan State, Wisconsin without Johnny Davis, Ohio State, and Rutgers. So it'll be the seven, a depleted two, the six, and the four. And then because they won the Big Ten tournament, they promptly kind of have no choice but to hire Danny Manning to be their coach. Those are the three scenarios for Would You Rather Wednesday, brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Get your responses in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We will talk about them coming up a little bit later on in the program. When we come back in, we're going to talk about the baseball situation. I am 
befuddled, man. I guess we're back to 12 teams in the playoffs. What the hell is going on? We'll talk about some of the scenarios that have been brought up in uh, the the ongoing, and I believe at the moment, ongoing negotiations. And uh, Richard Njoku from Navy is going to join us as they get ready for the Patriot League title game tonight. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. We continue along on a Wednesday edition of the program. Again, Richard Njoku from Navy is going to join us at the top of the hour as they get ready for Colgate tonight in the Patriot League championship game. Uh, today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
All right, so the baseball thing. As I talked about yesterday, as we we already know, literally nothing matters. Everything is posturing. Don't listen to a word that anyone says about canceling games or anything along those lines because it's nonsense. There was a new deadline. It was yesterday. They didn't meet that deadline, and guess what didn't happen? They didn't cancel any games. You know why? Because it's all nonsense. Because none of it actually means anything. Their new deadline is today. There is optimism that perhaps something could get done today. There was optimism that something could have gotten done last night. Didn't happen. Don't know that it's going to happen today. You know what I don't still know? They can still play 162 games even if it doesn't get done today. Don't Again, I said keep saying, I don't know when that comes up. I don't know what the hard out is for when you simply can't play 162 games, but I know it ain't March 9th. I know that beyond any shadow of a doubt, that it's not March 9th. By the way, uh, Major League Baseball, after the players stepped up last week and won the PR battle by making a donation to stadium workers, Major League Baseball did the same thing yesterday because they were losing the PR battle on that front. It's a different conversation for a different day. As for where they are in terms of negotiating, apparently some of these things seem really wonky, right? Like this, the players fight for service time and pre-arbitration now appears as though it could include where you finish in rookie of the year voting. Yeah, four players. That's weird. That's weird. Also could depend on market size. That's weird. These are wonky ways. And I get it. Like, it's not you or I's job to figure this thing out. And I understand they're just trying to do something that helps somebody in some way. But imagine being the player who finished fifth in in rookie of the year voting, who definitely had a better season than the guy that finished fourth. It just so happens to be that you play in Cincinnati and they play in New York, so they got more attention. And you lose out on a year of service time because of that like it's just a very wonky wonky way of going about trying to solve this problem and if they were to implement this it still really doesn't do anything to stop service clock manipulation because it's four players across the entire league so unless your name is adley rutschman who's going to be the favorite because he's adley rutschman right but then you still there's still risk that you run there right like the not I, a lot of risk though. I, I, well you say that except for the fact that the orioles could sit there and say to themselves like okay there's a scenario in which we could bring him up he could struggle during his rookie year and we lost a year of service time when we still could have just kept him down for a couple of weeks and not had to worry about this right I, I don't know who's making a decision with the assumption that that player is going to be in the top four in the Rookie of the Year voting. Again, I hope that Adley Rutschman is that guy. Trust me. and I, I understand why we all believe he's going to be that guy. But the notion that it is a certainty, that he just doesn't have a, a sluggish start and it leaves him outside of the top four of Rookie of the Year voting is is quite the hill. Oh, it's, it, it's, it's, not, it's, it's certainly not a certainty. But... He's number one overall prospect I, in baseball. People are going to anoint him as soon I as he comes I would almost up. say it's reckless based on this for the Orioles to make such an assumption. I, I think it would be reckless for them from a business standpoint to believe that Adley Rutschman, you know, his, this decision 
is going to come down to what's going to happen whether or not. Well, he's got, he's going to be in the top four of rookie of the year voting anyway. So let's just go ahead and bring him up. That would be reckless. It would be. But my my point is that his threshold for being in the top four, and we're talking top two in each league, right? My, his threshold is going to be lower because he's Adley Rutschman. So if he goes out and hits two fifty five with twenty home runs, he's still going to be in the running for the top two because he's Adley it, Rutschman, and that's not a bad year for your first it's, year. It's quite possible, but again, you just don't. It, we're making assumptions for the sake of making assumptions. You, this, an organization has to make business decisions. Mm-hmm. They can't make assumptions. They have to do what's best for business. And Absolutely. what's best for business is if there's a chance that Adley Rutschman isn't going to finish in the top four of Rookie of the Year voting, but is going to... And by the way, this is totally plausible that he has a good but not significant... Or he has a decent season, just happens to finish outside the top four of Rookie of the Year voting... You see enough that you're not worried about him. You just maybe he had a down month or tailed off at the end of the year or something along those lines, and it leaves him outside the top four. You still see enough that you know he's going to be a good player, and he might even still be a superstar. These things can happen. Easily they can happen. Mm-hmm. You would be reckless to say, I'm bringing him up on opening day because I know he's going to be in the top four rookie of the year voting anyway. That would be insane for an organization to make that decision. Yeah nonsense you still have to protect yourself if you bring him up a few weeks later and he ends up in the top four of rookie of the year voting obladi oblada right like but if you the difference is a few weeks and you think that the rookie of the year thing outweighs that this is bonkers what we're talking about it's that would be a horrible business decision and again not that i like the process in any way i don't care for the process but you can't make that decision with using an assumption that he's definitely going to be in the top four rookie of the year voting. That would be, I, I mean, you should fire anyone involved with something like that. Imagine the scenario where you make that assumption, he finishes fifth, and you lost a year of service time in the process that you didn't need to lose. You would fire someone over a decision like that. That would be insane. You can't do that. That's why it's weird. It's very wonky to me. I get what they're trying to do. I understand they're trying to create scenarios where teams are more enticed to have their players start their clock on opening day. And I believe there was something in there about a team that brings up a player for opening day can net three draft picks over time, one pick per year, if that player does well in voting. So they're trying to incentivize teams as well to bring their players up on opening day. That, obviously, sounds more beneficial than the other side. The other side is it's essentially you're penalizing yourself if you, if you take a bad gamble. The idea where you're trying to incentivize teams. Now, i got to know about what those picks are. You can net three draft picks over time, one pick per year. Was well, that an extra eighth-round pick? Right. Is that enough? i got to know what the incentive is. Right now, it doesn't seem like the incentives are enough to get people not to do service time manipulation or to even even make it again it comes back to me about making good business decisions Mm -hmm. it's what we all think that the system is wrong but we all have to acknowledge that there are business decisions that have to be made and the likelihood what is the actual number of games that we're talking about it's like you have to play what's the what's the the difference in opening day and whatever the date would be where you lose it's it's not a significant number it's no it's it's not it's something like I, I used to know this, and I and now I don't because I I, 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 fi- I figured it out during the pandemic shortened season. 
that uh, because I, I wanted to know for Ryan Mountcastle and I forgot the number, but it's something like 120 of like the first of the 187 days you have to be on the roster to get a full year. It so ends it, up being the like difference that. in something like 50 games, like yeah. something in that not, neighborhood. Not even, not even. Right. Is it, it, because you can come up on if if opening day right. would it be like April first, right? You would come up on May first and get that extra year and get the extra. It's year. like three so or it's four. More weeks. like okay, yeah. So it's more like thirty games, right? Yeah. The idea that that what are you doing that creates the trade off that it's worth the difference in thirty games? That's that's a, the the math has to be figured out to represent. And if it's an extra. You know, compensatory draft pick. If it's an extra first round draft pick, I I think you're going to get your answer. Yeah, you have to wait until there are less than 172 remaining service days to promote the player for the first time to the major league roster to get that extra. Year. And what's and what is what? How many service days are there when the season begins? Like, like 187. Is it really that few? Yeah. I I thought it's what it used to be. I thought that changed at some point. So. Hang on a second. April, May, June, July, September, August. So six times we we say it's essentially 30, then yeah, I mean, it's about 180 days. Jesus Christ. It really is next to nothing. It's 187 days. Right. Yeah. So you re- you really have to ke- keep them down for, 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 si- for basically for, 16 games. For two and a half weeks, right. Yeah. That's what I, I thought that changed at some point. Boy, I'm, I, I remember that being the case all those years ago. I thought that at some point that changed. Boy, that's insane. So again, what is the difference in two, two and a half weeks? How are you making it so it's a better business decision to bring a player up on opening day than two and a half weeks later? You can argue that the better business decision is to have your sellout for opening day. It's 1, then 1, bring them, especially bring in a place up. like Baltimore. Now, in a place where the games are going to be you know, well Sold attended anyway. anyway. Yeah, like it, Boston. There are rare sellouts anymore, but like the, Boston still sells out. They got a smaller stadium, right? Like Yankee Stadium doesn't sell out anymore. No, hardly. But they still get they're still well attended, mm-hmm. right? In a place like Baltimore, there's no debate. It's a better business decision when you know you're going to have a big crowd on opening day to create a secondary big crowd for your first game with Adley Rutschman. There's no question about which is the better business decision. So what do you have to do? On the flip side, in order to neutralize that business decision, is an eighth-round pick worth neutralizing a good business decision? I don't think so. What would it be? Compensatory first? Yeah, I think so. I just don't know. I, I was Evan Drellich's tweet just said extra netting extra draft picks. The team that brings up a player for opening day can net three draft picks over time, one pick per year, if that player does well in Rookie of the Year voting. So, again, there's still risk involved. You bring that guy up, assuming he's going to do well in Rookie of the Year voting, but let's say he doesn't. Let's say it's just a struggle. Was it worth it? Was it worth that risk? It's got to be a high ceiling. It can't be anything outside the top five rounds for sure. Yeah, if you tell me I'm getting a 13th round pick, it's just There's zero chance. None. It's not even worth the conversation. If it's a third, I think I'm I'm considering it, but I'm still not sure of that. If it's a first, I'm pretty sure I'm willing to give it the risk. Getting a compensatory first-round pick, I think, is worth me saying, "All right, I will I will make the worst business decision in the hopes 
of getting a compensatory first round pick out of this. I think that I'd one hundred percent do that. I, I still think there would be people that would say I'm not sure, mm-hmm. right? I still think that there would be because we're again we're going back to talking about the difference in two and a half weeks. Yeah. I still think there would be some people within baseball that would say I'm not sure that it's still worth that risk. But I do think at least there would be some that would. But I don't know if it's anything less than that, that it's worth it. And again, it all it's very wonky. It's a very wonky thing. I get what you're trying to accomplish. Does it actually accomplish what it is that you're trying to accomplish? Um, players uh, could be optioned uh, a maximum of five times before being exposed to waivers. This one is, a w- again, this one's going to be wonky. The draft lottery thing. Small market teams can pick in the lottery for two straight years, but then they'd be kicked out of the lottery altogether after that. If you have the worst record in baseball for three straight years and you're a small and you're the Baltimore Orioles, the first two years you go into the lottery, which again doesn't guarantee you the number one overall pick. One of the top six is what they're looking at now. It guarantees you it, you could be have you could have the fifth pick in both those two years. You have back to back fifth picks, and then you're still the worst team in baseball. You couldn't do any better than the tenth pick. But if you're a large market team, and again, how they're defining this, we don't know yet. But let's say you're the Cubs and you have the worst record in baseball. You could have the fifth pick one year, and then the next year, you have the worst record in baseball again. You're out. You don't do any better than the tenth pick. I certainly think it goes a long way into breaking down purposeful tanking, the unabashed tanking. Would there still ultimately be teams that would make decisions and say, well, we're better off being in the draft lottery because we're not going to be all that good? Yes. But the utter tear it down to the studs, do not put a qualified major league roster together whatsoever, do not attempt to, I think it would go a long way to breaking that up, which, again, this is sort of where there's a parallel to what we're talking about with um, with um, Calvin Ridley. The intent is that you want there to be fair competition, legitimacy to what it is that you're doing. And while I defend the Orioles making the decision that they made because there is a blueprint that shows that you can be successful with it, I said all along inherently, I don't want this in American professional sports. There is so much money at stake that you don't want there to be a number of teams who simply aren't trying. By the way, as everybody's pointed out, the Brian Flores thing is a huge problem for the NFL. It doesn't mean that Calvin Ridley shouldn't be penalized, but 1,000% Stephen Ross should be stripped of his ownership of the Dolphins, if that's true. There's no gray area in there. And I will absolutely call the NFL out for that if they fail. But that doesn't mean that Calvin Ridley shouldn't be penalized. We're making uh, false comparisons. With this um, draft lottery, yes. the Orioles picked fifth last year. Mm-hmm. They picked first this year. Yeah, they, go, it, they went, they went so, one, two, five, one. Right. So if they're in the top five last year and this year, and this starts in the 2023 draft, mm-hmm. Are they automatically not able to pick before? I don't, we, won't, we won't know. You know that have to come out in the details. Like, are they starting the clock? Do you get two years from now and then the clock starts, mm-hmm. or is the clock retroactively starting? Typically, when you do these types of things, you don't retroactive anything. You you start it now, and I think most of like even the the larger bases, the the get banning the ship, they're not even implementing that until twenty twenty three. Right. So it might very well be that this is sort of a wild wild west year. Because teams have already made decisions based on the old rules, 
And they'll say, all right, this is it. You got one year, wean yourself off of whatever it is that you were doing and be prepared for 2023 when all of these new rules kick in. That would be my gut as to how it would play out. But then again, even with that, do they? let's say the Orioles end up with the number four pick next year. Like at, at what point, I guess you have to implement the lot. I, I, would, I would assume you have to have implemented the lottery first. Mm-hmm. I would assume that the earliest this starts is the 2023 lottery, and then you can be in the lottery twice, and then you're out. That's, that would be my gut. The Wild West in baseball shifts, steroids, and tanking. What a year yeah, it I mean, be. Look, man, get it all out of your system now. <laughs> I, I, I think the steroid thing will be taken care of. I, I do. I, will I do think that they're going to take care of that. I don't know what guys have been doing this off season, but I think they'll take care of the steroid thing before yeah. they start playing baseball again. Although, you know, if they're worried about whether or not fans have dipped out a little bit, they might want to try to see oh, if they man. can get guys to hit a bunch of home see runs. See Aaron this season. Judge or, P- or Pete Alonso <laughs> hit eighty home runs this I mean, year. That might be what baseball's looking for in order to try to get interest back after an awkward time. Uh, look, we'll see. Yes, what do you got? Bob Nightingale, breaking. The MLB and MLBPA have agreed to terms on a new CBA deal for 2022 to 2027 seasons. An announcement from Rob Manfred will be made at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So there you go. There you go. And that's... um. Wait a second. Are you sure that's actually Bob Nightingale? Uh, uh, are you sure you didn't get duped? It's him. You don't see a check mark there. Bob Nightingale's Twitter is a check mark. I don't think that's oh, actually. Oh, you were right. Yeah, it's Bob sorry. Knight and Gal three. I apologize. Yeah. I got excited. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's the first thing you got to do whenever you see yeah, something like that. You're right. You got to quickly make sure you're not getting duped. I I I got like jumped through the roof excited. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. I got ahead of myself. Paul, Paul, Paul. I get it, man. I get. It. We all want baseball back. I certainly understand uh, wanting to be excited, but no, you got to make sure we double check on that. Uh, no deal as of yet, but that doesn't mean that the deal won't happen. The interna- the international draft. By the way, according to the real Bob Nightingale on Twitter. The international draft appears to be the last big remaining obstacle to reach a labor deal today. MLB badly seeks it and will eliminate all qualifying offers for free agents in return. Wow. Um, The union still is opposed as it receives input from players, former players, and agents. So, you know, that's another one that's interesting to me. Like, the Orioles finally dipped their toes into the international waters in recent years, and now it's going to be pulled out from underneath them. Like, hey, remember all those inroads you made down? No, it doesn't matter now because we're going to start drafting those guys. <laughs> like, that would be a bit of a bitter pill to swallow, but, you know. Is the international draft the same rules as a regular draft? I, I would presume it would be very similar. Yeah. Like, I would presume it would be I- – I don't know. I-, I-, I guess maybe it would be based on I- – I don't know what they would do with it. I really don't know what they would do with that. I don't know if they would do it by record or maybe they would just simply do it by, like, who got first picks last year. I would almost think that would be more of a rotating thing, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody should have the same access to being able to sign international prospects. Um, and look, you still need to have academies. You still need to have scouts in, even with a draft system, you still need to have those relationships down there to get to know these players better and know who you should be drafting. It's just not the same as like a recruiting system where you're trying to get people to buy into what the Orioles are doing. Maybe they do it by uh, farm system rankings, but those are so objective. Yeah, I don't know how you would do that. Yeah, I don't know how you would do that. I would think it would be more taking turns. This, like last year, this team, you know, we're going to keep rotating through, right? Like maybe you set the order by record right now, and then you just keep ro- move move number two to number one, number one down to number thirty, three to two. You know, like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything about how they're thinking about the international draft order. I don't think it would be the right thing to give teams the first pick in both the collegiate or the amateur draft and the international draft. I think that would be a mistake. But we will see. Um, there is optimism that a deal will get done today. 
All right, today's show is also brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now on the cover. You see Gary Williams. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland's run to the twenty or the 2002 National Championship. You can go pick it up for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox, or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com as uh, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of that special Maryland team. And speaking of college basketball, we had to do this a little bit earlier on today because of their schedule, getting ready for the Patriot League title game tonight, but a great opportunity to catch up with Navy's Richard Njoku right here on Glenn Clark Radio. Well, tonight, the Patriot League championship game as Navy travels to Colgate looking to get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in a couple of decades. Joining us now, man, who's a big part of the reason why he is there. He's a D.C. native. He is senior forward Richard Njoku, and he's with us now here on GCR. Richard, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Richard, can you take me back? I know you guys are are still you're thinking about tonight. That's what matters. But can you take me back to Sunday? Holy crap, what a game! And specifically, when, when things went south at the end of regulation, right where it looked like you guys had put it away, but they battled back. How did you guys pick yourselves back up in order to get the job done in overtime and not be overwhelmed by the fact that you had an opportunity that had kind of slipped away there? Well, I think what uh, all it comes down to is Coach D's always preaching next play, next possession, move on to the next thing. And that's what we just had to do. Placed with the overtime battle, we know we try to play the best defense we could in regulation. And we came just a little bit short, and then we had another five minutes to get the job done. And we just knew, looked beside each other, and so everyone on the team, the same goal, same focus. Just win the game, next play, move on. That's all that matters, right? It doesn't. Who, ca- who cares what happened at the end of regulation? You guys are playing for a title. That's all that matters. <laughs> yep. Richard, you know, you mentioned defense. It's been such a story for your team all season long, and you've been such a critical part of that, right? Can you take me through what the defensive mentality is for this team and why it seems like no matter where you are, no matter who the opponent is, you guys are able to lock in and get the job done defensively? Uh, defense really starts with our main word that we always talk about is toughness. It's just being able to go for those loose balls. And every defensive possession matters. We pride ourselves on just being the best defensive team every step on court. And it really starts with us at practice. We're always screaming, always talking loud, making sure we understand assignments. And that just carries right into the game. How much, when you, you reference that you guys are like that in practice, does it ever, you know, does it ever get chippy? You know, when, when, when guys are, are guarding and defending like that in practice, does it, does it become a little bit of an intense scenario when you guys are doing that? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that's what we pride ourselves is. It also brings together our connectivity as a, as a team. Even though we get chippy at times or we're just talking, it's just the nature of the game. And then at the end of the day, we know it's all love between the lines. No, no doubt, no doubt. Richard Njoku is with us again. Navy Colgate tonight for the Patriot League title. Um, Richard, you guys obviously played them a couple times this season, and, and they got the best of you both times. What did you learn? We, we know this is a really good Colgate team. There's no debate about that. There's a reason why they're hosting this game, what they were able to do. But what did you learn from those two meetings that you feel like you can use in order for the outcome to be diff- different tonight? I think the biggest thing we learned is just uh, as a team, we're right there. I think uh, just defensively, which is a couple missed assignments, a couple made free throws, and we're just right there in the game. They just learned to just take a take our time with the game, just try to get a, get a good feel for it, and just understand that it's our game. We can win, 
and we'll just show that tonight. And obviously, you guys were right in there until the end, just a couple weeks ago, when you guys played at the end of the regular season, right? Like that, that was clearly a very hard fought game that, that probably showed you guys just how close you were to them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think like there was a big turnaround from the first game, which was about, a, I think, believe a 19 point loss. Yeah. And the second game ended up losing by five. It really just proved to the team it was like, we're just a couple of good possessions away from just being exactly where we are. And we're going to be able to prove that out tonight. I mean, it's huge for us as a team, just especially like playing a game like that in that atmosphere, being loud, just preparation for the championship. Richard, you know, you guys were so good a year ago, and unfortunately you ran into, you know, of course we know what the world was like a year ago, yep. and you guys ran into some of those issues as you got to the Patriot League tournament. How much have you guys used what happened a year ago to fuel you throughout this season to say we're not going to allow ourselves to come up short again this year? I think it's something that we started off with just beginning the season and then we just had unfinished business, especially for me being a junior last year and Cam Davis being our senior. Uh, just and being a part of me and Cam being the ones out is, was really disheartening, understanding just how our team went out last year and just mm. having that chip on our shoulder the whole season, just understanding like we got somewhere where we need to be and we've just been chipping away at it every single time. And obviously here you are right on the precipice of, of getting the job done and getting into the NCAA tournament. Richard Njoku is with us ahead of tonight's Patriot League tournament title game. Um, Richard, you know what would it mean to you? I, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but what would it mean to you as someone who chose to come to Navy out of a strong St. John's program, had options, to get this program back to the NCAA tournament for knowing this is it for you, you don't get that you know the option that other players around the country to take a fifth year. What would it mean to you to get into the NCAA tournament? Uh, honestly, it's, it would mean everything. Just understand that all that hard work, all those four years, sacrifice blood, sweat, and tears to this game and for my teammates, this family that we've built, it should mean everything to be able to accomplish that championship goal tonight. I mean, we preach about it. It's been our main goal for the entire season, and just be able to seal the deal would be amazing. Is there any idea thought for you that maybe you might be better off just playing with one shoe moving forward? Have you thought <laughs> about that even a little bit as the season's gone on? Uh, you know, I don't like to get into my bag of secrets a little bit, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> if it happens, it happens. You just continue to play on. You just uh, move on to it. You know, if the shoe comes, stays on. It stays on. If it comes off, comes off. Just be able to. You got to work be, through it. A little uh, mentality, toughness. You got I, I love that, man. May, now, maybe this might be interesting. Perhaps like in the middle of a defensive set tonight, if the game's tight, perhaps you just take the shoe off. See if it distracts them, knowing you can <laughs> handle yourself no problem, and see if maybe they end up throwing the ball away because they're so confused by what you're doing. Hey, man, you never know what can happen. <laughs> you never know what can happen. But if it does, it's your first. If, uh, if you didn't see a couple weeks ago, <laughs> Richard <laughs> lost his shoe coming down the floor and just tossed it aside. <laughs> Which, by the way, had that ever happened? It seemed like you were so comfortable in that moment. Had that ever happened to you before? I'm going to be honest with you. That's never happened to me before. So uh, it's just kind of like an instinct thing. My body just reacted, and I was just ready to continue to play. It worked out perfectly, man. <laughs> it worked <Absolutely>. out perfectly. <laughs> hey, uh, Richard, uh, for those that don't know your story, why why was the Naval Academy the right spot for you? It is not. It is very much unlike anywhere else that you could go to continue your basketball career why right. was it the spot for you and what have these four men years meant to you not just from a basketball standpoint but from obviously what it is that you're doing now for the rest of your life i think uh it really stems from just my background uh, being born from two uh 
Nigerian immigrants and just being able to give back to the country who's given me and my family so much. It's just been an awesome experience. So when I saw that Navy offer, I was considered it a lot. And to be here four years later, I'll be become an officer in the Navy. It's just been a journey and an honor, especially just to be with my teammates, especially with my other seniors, John, Christian, and Greg, just being able to further our commitment to our country. It's been awesome. Is it something that takes on a whole new light, knowing what's going on in the world right now? Like, how much do you, obviously you're worried about basketball in the moment, but right. there's a reality that's out there, and and clearly it's far different for you. No offense to the Colgate guys, but they don't have to think about it the same way that you do. Like, is it something that is the reality of that something that you've had to think about a little bit more in in recent weeks? Oh, uh, definitely. I'm just sitting and talking with the seniors. There's something that we definitely do talk about because there's something we're about to jump into very soon. And just also having an understanding is like, as much as we love the sport we're playing, we're called to something higher to that. Yeah. So it's just really just taking our time and understanding, being blessed with what we have right now, and then looking forward to the future. Well, we're going to root for you anyway, but I just want you to know how grateful we are that that, that you approach things that way and, and what you're willing to do for the rest of us. That's It's truly incredible, Richard. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I, I did. You, so did you get a chance to watch the women the other night? Did, were, were you watching oh. live as Jen hit that shot? Yeah. Absolutely. The whole team was on the bus watching it. it was, Dude. It was awesome. You what, hear her screaming on the bus. I was going to – what was that like? I mean, y'all just high-fiving and losing your minds as you're watching that unfold? Yeah. I mean, and so the guys in the upper half of the bus, they had it all five seconds faster. So they were screaming. We were like, oh, don't tell us, don't tell us. <laughs> the guys in the back were just like, oh, my God. And it was just like – it was really it was surreal. That's cool, and man. To see her make that shot in the season she's I was. I wanted to give you an opportunity because I, I noticed on social media you have really gassed her up a lot. Like you've you've sent out a lot of retweets over the years for people that don't know. Like like how special is is Jen as a player and how cool has it been for you to develop a relationship like that? It's... I mean, Jen's an awesome player and awesome person. I mean, just to call her as a friend and just know that she really is a dog on the basketball court. I mean, she plays every game with her whole heart out. So uh, even the last game when they played at home for their First round matchup, the guys were in there, were turned, screaming. She was playing the same way she normally plays, putting on the show, and it was just awesome to see. That's awesome. And to see her just grow as a player over the past four years has been amazing. That's incredible, man. Richard Njoku, tonight, Navy, Colgate, Patriot League championship game. Going to be a raucous atmosphere on the road. That's the way it works in the Patriot League. You get the one seed, you get the right to host the game. You know what you're going to be up against. Richard, social media-wise, what can we plug for you? Twitter, Instagram, anything along those lines? Oh, so uh, my Twitter is uh, at BigRich32, and that's the same for my Instagram as well. Give him a follow on there, and make sure you're tuned in tonight, 730 uh, on CBS Sports Network for the Patriot League title game. Richard Njoku, best of luck tonight, man. Uh, go get him. May we be talking again about you guys getting ready for the NCAA tournament, and thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us on game day this morning, all right? Absolutely. I really appreciate it. As Richard Njoku from Navy, again, ahead of tonight's Patriot League title game. Great dude, heck of a player, and, you know, they got a chance. They got a chance to uh, end, you know, it's not the longest drought, as we know that was Towson's of the area teams, but a long drought, um, you know, the second longest drought for getting to the NCAA tournament, and uh, it'll be fun to watch them tonight on CBS Sports Network as they take on Colgate. Yes. So this one, Israel. Yeah. Did you see Andy Enfield sign the contract extension through 2027-2028 with that. USC? That would be very significant as far as the Maryland coaching search is concerned. So Andy Enfield, and this would actually, um, this is John Rothstein who reports that 
Andy Enfield has signed a contract extension through 2027 and tw 28th season. Enfield was considered a primary candidate for the vacancy at Maryland. That would seem to put Kevin Willard right in the crosshairs. And by the way, this was always a thought process of how this could play out with Andy Enfield, that he could end up using the Maryland vacancy in order to get the money that he was looking for at USC, or, frankly, that Maryland just wouldn't be willing to pay. It, it might not... The the first thought that people would have is that Andy Enfield used Maryland. There is always the flip side to this, and I know it's it's not always that you're a victim. It just might very well be that Andy Enfield genuinely wanted to go to Maryland. Maryland might have genuinely wanted Andy Enfield, but Maryland might have said, "This is the limit to what we're willing to pay you." And at the end of the day, if USC stepped in and said, "Yeah, but we're willing to pay you this," you say, "Hey, man, I'd, I'd love to be in Maryland, but you know." If, if you guys are offering me four million bucks and they're offering me eight, like, and I'm not, I don't think the numbers would be quite that drastic, but you get what I'm saying. Is the limit the limit, or is that the limit, or is the limit for Andy Enfield different than I, it is for? I have been given the understanding that the limit is kind of the limit. That okay. there, there was not a world in which Maryland was, was and, and, and we'll get to this when we get to Would You Rather Wednesday, but um, I was to understand in, in, in the little bit of reporting that I have done. That there would not be, you know, for this coach, we're going to extend past this number. Their realities financially are their realities. They have what they have to hire a coach. It's why some of those pipe dream names that were put out there, the Nate Oates, the Eric Musselmans, it was just never practical. There was, they were never going to be able to go to the amount of money that would require to get somebody to say, even Ed Cooley, like we can say Ed Cooley's really happy at Providence, and and there's no reason for him to leave Providence in order to go to Maryland, but. You know, for a certain amount of money, I think anybody could leave happiness, right? I don't think Maryland was ever – my understanding is Maryland was never going to go there money-wise for a coaching candidate. Their their number was going to be their number. They were going to have a competitive number and a number that was similar to what other coaches make, but they weren't going to exceed that in order to land one specific coach. They believed they had enough qualified candidates they could hire from and that people would be interested in the job that they didn't need to try to double down on funding. Now – as has been pointed out, and Jeff Ehrman's pointed this out a little bit when he's done his reporting, there is always the possibility that there is something happening so far behind the scenes that there's simply no way for anybody to know about it. Mm -hmm. Jeff is even more plugged in than I am. Um, I'm, I'm plugged in, but admittedly, I'm not doing the day-to-day -day work that he's doing on this. I'm not making calls every day. I made calls the Rick Pitino day, and I got that shot down pretty quickly. Um I've made a few calls during this process, but it's just not my job the same way in order to be the guy that's doing the heaviest reporting on something like this. Um, Andy Enfield, admittedly, was the top guy of the practical candidates on my list, so that's a bummer to me. I think Andy Enfield's a hell of a coach. I think he would have been a great hire and a practical hire for the University of Maryland, so I'm bummed out in that way. Do I think he's a drastically better coach than, say, Kevin Willard? No, but you're almost kind of painting yourself into the corner now where it's Kevin Willard, I don't want to say or bust, but it better be Kevin Willard for the initial reaction from the fan base. I think anything less than Kevin Willard gets a groan in response from the fan base, which doesn't mean that a, a Mark Pope or a Dennis Gates or a Nico Medved or even a Ryan Odom wouldn't be a qualified, good hire long-term. But in terms of wanting people to be excited first of all i'm not even sure that kevin willard is particularly exciting it's just that it feels like a good hire it feels like if you can land a guy who's coaching in the big east right now and who's had some success 
that's what Maryland should be capable of doing. Maryland, it doesn't feel like Maryland should have to dip down a level in order to find their coach. But if it's not Kevin Willard, I'm hard-pressed to know who it would be without dipping down to a lower level. Andy Enfield was the only other one that was out there. Again, unless you really are able to lure Ed Cooley away from Providence. I just find that very unlikely at this point. I have been more and more convinced the more people I've talked to that that's not something that's happening. How quickly do you think this thing gets done once Maryland season's over? I think it depends on who they're hiring. You know what I mean? Like if, again, if it was Andy Enfield and he was in the tournament until the Elite Eight, you can't hire your coach until, Mm. I think it, it has everything to do with who they're hiring. Um, you know, if 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 they are in love with Steve Forbes from Wake Forest, for example, and Wake Forest doesn't make the NCAA tournament, I think it could get done on Monday. If if they're hiring someone, you know, if if they're trying to go to the lower level and it's someone whose team is making a run in the big t- in the NCAA tournament, then they're going to have to wait. But I think you'll get your answer likely. I I say that there are other jobs that are going to become available, and it might very well be that a guy that you've had your eye on wants to know about those other jobs too wants to find out you know i guess tom crean's gonna be gone from georgia i can't fathom someone choosing georgia over maryland basketball i mean by god if that's the case there are far bigger problems at maryland but there will be other jobs that will be available and it might very well be that a guy that you like wants to know about those jobs too so maybe you can't get it done as soon as monday or tuesday you might need a little bit later on in the week but i don't think they're going to want to wait long i I wouldn't imagine ideally Final Four weekend also represents a bit of a national convention for college basketball, and you ideally want to have your coaching staff in place by the time you get to Final Four weekend. Again, with the exception being if they are waiting on someone who's maybe making you know, a Porter Moser-type run from a few years ago at Loyola Chicago. If they think their coach is whoever it is that just happens to... I, mean, I can't even think of who this would be off the top of my head. I'm, I'm going to use Griff Aldrich's name. I don't think in a, in a million years it's Griff Aldrich. There's no world. I'm, I'm just using his name for the sake of doing it. If that was the guy they had their eye on and Longwood's going on this insane run, then they're going to have to wait it out. That guy's not departing the middle of an NCAA tournament run to take your job. So availability is going to be the biggest factor in all of this. But they're going to want to get it done quickly. And, and the Final Four traditionally, because you want – it's not like the same as the Senior Bowl with the NFL where you want to have your coaching staff in place to go send them down to scout at the Senior Bowl – but it is a national convention, and you want to have your guys there um, that are going to be part of your coaching staff when you get to the Final Four. So I, I think that's a, a timeline that they'll want to fit. But not going to be Andy Enfield, and that's a bummer. I mean, I, I can't hide from that. I, can, I think Andy Enfield would have been a really good choice. Do I think he was the only choice? Do I think there aren't other good choices? Not at all. But I happen to think Andy Enfield would have been a – a home run hire for the University of Maryland, and so I'm bummed out by that because I think that would have been a really good one. All right, uh, today's show. Uh, or actually, you know what? Just a reminder that Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley had a great conversation with Tim Kirkton on Monday night, and if you missed it, you should go check it out right now at facebook.com slash pressboxsports by clicking on the videos tab or by going to pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan does two shows for you every week, Pressbox Live, available in those locations. When we come back in, Drew Forrester and Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Sportsbook sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right. Uh, by the way, the real Bob Nightingale says that if agreement is reached today, the tentative plan is for opening day to be April 6th or 7th with the regular season extended by three days. The other missed games from the week-long delay would be made up in double headers during the course of the season. So I'd and have what, a lot to figure out in that making that happen. What dates did you and Drew have? We still have to figure out a punishment for me because I said March 31st, and that ain't happening. Almost certainly not happening. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what Drew, Drew I think, said the middle of the month. I said I figured out. You said the, like April 2nd. I, I think I said April 1st because yeah. I figured out there was no way I could lose if I just said April 1st. So, yeah, we'll have to figure out what the punishment is for you. You got anything in mind, Forrester? What, uh, uh, Paul's going to lose this bet. What should he have to do? Well, I don't know, but baseball can't 
start on April the 7th. Why not? <laughs> it's the first day of the Masters. Well, I got bad news for you, bro. I got real bad news for you. I, I love you, but they're probably going to go ahead and do what they're going to do no matter what. <laughs> well, they can start on April 7th, but no one's going to go to the game. Well, I got again, I got bad news for you on that, no, that front, no too. One, no one's going to go to the games, but go ahead and start there on was, April 7th if is, you want. This is a straight shoot. There was a year where I've, I've rarely over the years that I sit in the press box on opening day. I just, you know, the opening day was a celebratory day. I didn't want to work. I wanted to. You know, other other than the time, other than the time where where we went down and hung out with JJ Hardy, that wasn't very celebratory. But outside of that, like, I mostly wanted to you know drink a little bit. But one year I went on opening day and I sat in the press box with Luke. And at one point I pulled up, there was a Davis Cup match going on. And yeah, like, I mean, you, and Luke you, looked, you. looked at me like, "Are you really watching tennis in the press box on opening day?" And I was like. Look, what am I going to be the only guy tonight at the bar that's not talking about the Davis Cup? Of course, I'm right. watching. Tennis. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you can start the season on April seventh, but it's the first day of the Masters. Just remember that. Oh, well, Drew, uh, uh, unless somebody goes on a uh, Tiger Woods esque run on the first day or two, you're, you're talking to the wrong guy, Paul. You're yeah. talking to the wrong guy. With with the exception of Paul? like of the guys like you, Drew, I think most people Paul? don't really tune in till Saturday. Paul, you're talking. Paul, be quiet. You're talking to the you're, wrong guy. You're, yep, you're saying you're. Just be quiet. You're better off not saying anything. You're talking to the wrong person about this time. <laughs> I love golf as much as, Drew, as the next Drew, guy. Drew cancels his plans for the Monday and Tuesday of the week for the practice rounds at the match. Correct. That's true. There's people like Drew, but I think the vast majority of people yeah. start start watching on moving day. You're, gonna, you're just causing well, problems. That's your that's you're your just fault. Causing problems. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do you? So tell me what what all there's all these various crazy stories this week. There's the baseball thing. And they're going to do extra, you know, larger bases, and they're getting rid of the shift. There's the Lamar Jacks. What is actually interesting to you? And I, I, I don't, I don't know why I'm asking this question because you're probably going to say something stupid like Tiger Woods Hall of Fame speech. No, the but, player. Well, I mean, I, uh, first of all, the, the the Rogers thing and the Wilson thing is interesting as it relates to Lamar for sure. I wrote about that today. You know, the Players Championship in golf is huge because it's the biggest purse of the year and it is it, it it does if you're if you believe that the field matters which it does this is the best field of the year in any golf tournament you know if you win this golf tournament you've beaten the best field of the year i mean there's no doubt about that and it's on a remarkable golf course so you know, that is inter- very interesting to me. But I still think the Lam- I keep saying this over and over. I still think the Lamar story is one of the most intriguing stories that we've had in a decade in Baltimore. And I, I, I have no idea when it's going to end or if it's going to end or how it's going to end, which also kind of makes it interesting. Like, I think six months ago, you and I would have said there isn't anything interesting about it. They're going to re-sign him. It's done. That's it. And now, I, I don't really know what's going to happen, which I do yeah. think makes it interesting. I, it's, I, I, to an extent, I agree. And I'm going to, I'm going to lay it into number one on Would You Rather Wednesday because it's going to set up a conversation that you and I are going to have because I, I think I know your answer. But I, I agree that it's interesting. And I also agree that it, I am, it, to your point, six months ago, I would have said I'm 90% certain. And I might be closer to 60% certain at this point. It has changed. There's no doubt about that. My opinion has changed. And somebody would say, well, that's because Lamar struggled for four weeks against the Blitz. And I, that's not what it is to me at all. That has nothing to do with anything. It's, it's more to me 
the strange nature of how this is going. And and that I can't define in any way. I still don't really know. My gut still comes back to ultimately that if the Ravens put down a market offer for Lamar Jackson, he would sign it. That that would just be the end of the story. And that all of this is still mostly posturing, right? Like what he's saying, hey, I'm willing to play on two franchise tags. You say that, of course, because the franchise tag number is absurd and you want to skip ahead to the part in negotiations where you say, hey, are you going to be willing to franchise tag me? Because if you are, I know what you think my value is. So we start the conversation there. Let's just go ahead and skip through all of the other nonsense where you're trying to negotiate and let's throw out numbers. Let's not waste each other's time. If you're willing to franchise tag me, then I know how much you're willing to pay for me. And if that's the number, then we start the negotiations at that number. And I think ultimately they'll get there. I still think they'll get there ultimately, but it is it is weird. I can't I can't hide from the fact that it's weird. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what's holding it up, but my, I, I know there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the whole not having an agent thing, and would this have gone more smoothly and been done by now with, if he would have had an agent? I, you know, there's no way to know the answer to that. I mean, I, right. is obviously it's distinctly odd that a player of his caliber in any sport doesn't have someone representing them. I don't think there's any arguing that, that this is just not something that happens. That said, I have no way of knowing whether or not they would have had a deal done already or not. So I don't even, I just, I don't know, but I I do, I do, you know, I think you have to concede that it's it's a weird way of doing business for sure. I think it's part of why we use the word weird. That's, it's, it's weird. Right. But I think in my mind, and maybe this is where you are as well, I think this is far more about the Ravens than it is Lamar. Yeah. I, I think this is way more about something, something has happened that, that in, in some way has created uh, some doubt in their mind that he's either A, worth, you know, whatever the number is going to wind up being, $150 million for five or, you know, four years or whatever it is. I don't even, I don't even know. But whatever the number is in, perceived in their mind based on the market, somehow there's been some doubt created there. And I don't know what that, what that's all about, where it's come from. Um, for all we know, somebody called them four weeks ago and said, we'll give you a two draft picks and two players for him and maybe maybe they're they've tabled it and they're thinking about it i don't know i mean something's not right as i guess the easiest way i would say it and it could just be a value thing lamar's lamar might have did to them what flacco did to them hey this is my number when you're ready to pay me this number come see me right i know that i'm worth this when you're ready come and see me and if you're not gonna pay me that then I'll just come back and play this year and get $23.5 million and we can revisit it. And maybe that's what Lamar did, and maybe it just hasn't come out that it, way. It, it goes back to the argument people have is, well, I don't think he's worth the same amount that this so-and-so got. I don't think, and it's just not the way that this process works. The Ravens eternally are an organization that wants to, you know, they always use right player, right price. They want to get you at what they think your value is. And they've gotten that wrong plenty of times. They've gotten it right a lot. But they've gotten it wrong plenty of times. 
the quarterback market doesn't work that way. You don't get to determine what someone's value is in comparison to other quarterbacks. The quarterback market is extraordinarily simple. This is the market. You pay that number or you don't, and you don't have a quarterback at that point. And that's the choice that you get to make. But this continued conversation where we talk about what Lamar's value is vis-a-vis other quarterbacks is irrelevant. The quarterback market has not worked that way in 20 years at this point. But you do. But but here's where I'm going to – I agree with all of that, except I'm going to add this qualifier to it. You do, as a team, have to make sure that if you're going to spend, you know, 40 whatever million or uh, way more than that, you know, $250 million, I think we have the tendency to look at it as if it's a one-time thing, right? We look at it and say, well, if Mahomes is getting $45 million, Lamar's in that range, right? Mm-hmm. The, the problem is you're not giving them forty million. Of course, you're, not. you're giving them you're giving them two hundred and fifty well, You're not really doing that either. You're only doing. Well, the, I mean, but I, and we'll use Rogers as an example. Right. He's getting a hundred and fifty-three million dollars from them. To me, that's a mistake. To me. That's a mistake to give him 153 million. It might not be a mistake to give him 50 million this year, but I don't think you're going to get 153 million dollars out of him. That's just me, and I think that it's fair for all of these teams to. And clearly, Seattle, at some point recently, has discovered or decided we're we're just not going to give this guy 250 million dollars. Like we'll start over, and time will tell whether or not they were right about it or not. You know, I, I, I probably wouldn't give Russell Wilson that kind of money either. Um, I, I think if it was simply about the money, I would. I, I think they have a bigger problem in Seattle. The, the problem is it's not working. Now, I think it's badass insane that they've decided they're going to roll with Pete Carroll and and not Russell Wilson. Like I think that's right. that's bonkers to me that that's the route they're going about doing it. But they they did have to address a problem, which is. They've now got years of evidence at this point that it, something's not working there, and they've got right. to do something different because of it. Um, Look, I think the Ravens. I mean, I've said this all along. I, I, I think they should resign Lamar. I think Lamar is a, obviously dumb statement of the day, right? He's a dynamic talent. I think they should resign Lamar. But dot dot dot. I, I also don't think you just say, "Yeah, whatever you want, we'll give it to you." You want. 250 for five years, you can have it. Like, I do understand that there has to be, you know, to borrow Brian Billick's old favorite word, there, there is a process that you have to go through to decide if, if, if it's worth giving him that kind of money. I, I, I do see that. I think they should resign him. I've seen what it's been like here when they didn't have a quarterback. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen that. I remember those days. And this guy's done everything that they've asked of him. Does he have some flaws? Of course he has flaws. Uh, almost every quarterback that we've seen, you, know, you want to, they're, they're going to give $153 million to this guy in Green Bay, who for the most part has been extraordinary one time. And all the rest of the times, yeah. it's, been met, it's been met with yeah. disappointment at the end of the year. I mean, okay. I mean, I, 
I don't I'm know. I'm just telling you. I, I mean, you, if we're I, when you say you've been extraordinary one time, that what are you measuring that by? Like, but I, but I'm just, and that's really I couched that the wrong way. Yeah, they're, like, they're, you're you're going to give 153 million dollars to a guy right. who's won the, who's won a I, Super Bowl one time, and I get it. There's you know 52 other guys on the team. I, right. I know all of that other stuff, but you're giving 153 million dollars to a guy who, for the most part, has been extraordinary in the regular season. And just really good in the in the postseason. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. Okay. And yeah. and and by the way, if you just had if you just had um, uh, you know pick a quarterback, uh, Drew Locke in there, you wouldn't even get that yeah, far. You wouldn't have so a chance. I get it. And that's right. Yeah, right. And that's inherently and, what this comes down to. No, no. And question that's what about the it. Ravens have faced before they were able to get Lamar and and, and Joe. I mean, obviously because yeah. Flacco yeah. helped. Um, but that's what they faced for all those years. They had teams good enough to win, yep. but they didn't have a quarterback. They do it, yeah. And now they got the quarterback, and you know now they're now they're arguing about whether or not whether or not they should keep him, so, which seems weird. So, right? so number one, and would you, would you rather Wednesday? Of course, is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Have you tried the uh, smoky thigh wings with the Guinness grilling sauce yet? By the way, we were there the other night, but we didn't get them. What'd you get? Uh, what did we get? I forget. Oh, well, then, dynamite, I don't remember. Dynamite. I remember what I had. Big, I don't remember. We got big something else. Big sell. Big, big no, sell. No, no, no. We didn't get them. I mean, uh, but I what did why. you get? What did you get? You were there. What did you eat? Well, I know what I had. Then tell me that. I had a big bowl of chili, and I split some macaroni and cheese with Lucy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sexy, right? A hell of a sell. Oh, hell of a sell for glory days grill. But they have great chili. Do you remember being on the radio? Do you remember we had to do these things? Do you but remember I'm not anything? Lie. I don't want I mean, you to lie. I'm not right. asking for the lie. I said what did you have? Well I know, I told you. After the third time it I just asked. wasn't what you wanted to hear. It's fine. I didn't care. Oh God. Get the Glory Days grill. Try anything on the St. Patrick's menu. It is incredible, including the smoky thigh wings with the Guinness grilling sauce, as well as the Reuben, the Rachel, so much more available all month long at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Get your order in right now. Glorydaysgrill.com. Corned beef and cabbage, shepherd's pie with the Guinness braised ground beef. Oh, so good. All right, now. Number one on Would You Rather Wednesday. Would you rather the Ravens give Lamar Jackson? By the way, for what it's worth, because we've already referred to it a couple times, Aaron Rodgers disputed the numbers that were reported in his deal. Which it's is, probably more like $300 million. Maybe that's the case. Um, uh, would you rather the Ravens... By the way, would you take the package? That didn't that, sound I, good. Hang on a second. Let me ask my Would You Rather Wednesday question. <laughs> all right? Okay. Hang on. And the, answer, said, would you the, take the package? Yeah, the answer is always like, yes. Listening. Yeah, right. right, right, right. <laughs> Who would say no to that? Uh, would you rather the Ravens give Lamar Jackson specifically the Aaron Rodgers deal, specifically four years, two hundred million, or trade him to the Texans for something similar to what it is the Broncos gave up for Russell Wilson? Including, what was the first? What was the first thing? It's it's nope. four years, two hundred million, or okay. the same trade with the Texans and replace Drew Locke with Davis Mills. Well, man, I'd rather not answer it. Mm. Um, a lot of people are coming up with that today. A lot of, there have been yeah. a lot of struggles. It's been the, the struggle bus today for Would You Rather Wednesday. I don't know. I'm terrible at this because I, I, I just – and if it's just the standard four years, $200 million, you're going to pay him $50 million a year, and, like, that's what you're giving him, and there's no way to skate out of it or – you know, I mean, yeah. if you're just – if we're just 
being simple, would you give Lamar $200 million for four years? I, I wouldn't do that. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I wouldn't. Now, do the Texans' helmets come with it? No. Unfortunately, they, they have to. They, they, <laughs> I, know, I know that's a big deal for you, but unfortunately. <laughs> um, I, you know, I just wouldn't give him $200 million for four years. I'm sorry. I just think it's too much money. And I would say that. I think I would say that about any quarterback, but but you got to have one. You know, this is a, such a such a gotcha question because you got to have one. That's I, the, I, it's it's the, it's why I don't think again. This is why it's easy to me. It's easy to me because I'll ne- there will never be a scenario you'll present where I'm going to sign up for not having a quarterback. You, you can't, I, I hear you. You can't and get I, me to and do I, it. And I and I agree. And by with the way, you, I, and that's why I think there's a chance. I think there's more of a chance that Davis Mills is a quarterback than there is that Drew Locke is a quarterback. Well, I right? would never. Like, I mean, I but, wouldn't even. I don't even know who that guy is, and I'm not. I'd go get someone else. I don't even know who that is either. Right, I mean, but that's I, part of the I, problem. I, like that. This. this right. I, ultimately, to me, look. What, if you did this deal, look. Let's be honest about the Seahawks. We're very familiar with this in Baltimore because we've seen it with the baseball team for 25 years. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks are signing up to lose this year. At least. Period. At, at least this year. The Seahawks have told their fans, we're losing this year. Get ready for it. Right? And I, I just don't know if – I mean, the Lions have been doing that for 35 years. 100%. Years. Yep. Um, I, I, I think that would be a tough sell here. In Baltimore, I think it would be a very tough sell. We've we worked hard to I say we like I'm part of the team, but we worked hard to get to where we are with this quarterback. And to your point, like we have a quarterback, now we're going to give him away and get nothing. It's not like I'm just making this up. It's not like we're trading away. It's not like we're trading not to not. I am not saying we should do this. I'm using quarterback mm-hmm. for quarterback. It's mm-hmm. not like we're trading Lamar and getting. Justin Herbert, Heineke, right? Oh, who, oh, okay. who has who has at least played in the league? Well, wait a second. Or hang or, on, hang on. They'd be way better off getting Davis Mills than Taylor Heineke. Uh, okay, but I'm just way using better. as an example. Yeah. I don't even know that because yeah. I don't know that that other. Davis guy. Mills played last but, year from Texas. Played well. He's a, he was an early draft pick. I mean, Davis Mills is is Drew it, Drew Lock without like, the failure. Even use like Mayfield. It's not like we're trading and getting a legitimate guy. We'd be trading. You can say Davis Mills all you want. Or we'd be trading Lamar and getting. Of someone totally unproven, and I don't want to hear anybody say, "Well, we got Huntley." They no. Hunt, they do he's have Huntley, right. and if Huntley has to play four games, a, eh. then he could play four games. Nah. But he's not. I don't think he can play four. Okay, yeah. but he was okay in the four game. He, he was, almost beat the two, the team that won the Super was, Bowl. He was he was okay. I think if he had to play four okay. games, you would have a right. half a chance at winning two of them. Okay, well, I mean, he was okay, but that's my point. You're you're you don't even have that. You're, right. So getting rid of him, but again, when you're, I don't know. I mean, you you get two or three first round draft picks for him. What do you think they could get for Lamar? You get two or three first round draft picks for him. How, how do you turn that down? If Atlanta calls you today and says we'll give you three first round picks for Lamar, how do you turn that down? In fairness, apparently Seattle turned down three first round picks for Russell Wilson from Washington and well, and chose to go this route. I don't anyway. know how you do that. Part well, of Russell Wilson had to know. Yeah, part of it is that Russell Wilson calls. had the okay. option of saying and and, and, and I, no and one's I would going take, to, and here's to, go the deal. to Washington. Maybe I'm being biased, but I I, I I always tell you what I think. I would take Lamar over Russell Wilson any day of the week, and I realize Lamar's flawed and Wilson's 
more of the prototype, you know, more of the he's a real quarterback. I would take Lamar over Wilson any day. I don't know how that's de- at this point. I have no idea how that's debatable. Like now, again, okay. two, a couple years ago, I I definitely would have debated that. But you know, at this point, I don't think that I don't know who would present that debate. I mean, Russell Wilson's thirty three, and and it, we've seen right. signs that. He just might not be Russell Wilson anymore. And it, he could still be. It could be that he gets to Denver. He's got better players around him. He's got, you know, a better coaching staff, and, and he can become Russell Wilson again. But I think there's enough of a concern uh, about uh, Russell Wilson that I could certainly understand saying I, I couldn't fathom anybody saying right now they'd rather have Russell Wilson than Lamar uh, Jackson. Here's what I would say. You, you know, this will be – I'll get yelled at for this. I, I've always viewed him as overrated. Nah, I, I'm gonna disagree with that. I think that well, dude. Okay, you can disagree with that. You've been yeah. wrong before. No, I mean when? Name name one. Name one time. Name one time well, ever. What, what time is the show? They're, end? Not, they're not gonna lose to Duke in football. Yeah, what time, I know that. What time? <laughs> what time's the show? In? I've always thought Wilson's overrated. Okay, well we'll agree. We'll agree to disagree there because I definitely okay. I think it would almost be the exact opposite of that. You okay. know what I mean? Like yeah, they, they, you know, I, I think that Russell Wilson somehow is still discredited because of his size. But as far as a gamer and the plays that he's capable of making, I think he's one of the great quarterbacks we've seen in an era. And, in fact, I would think we could have a, a fantastic conversation about Russell Wilson versus Ben Roethlisberger, for example, um, as to who is the better overall quarterback. And and, and I don't well, know. Now, now you are insane. Russell Wilson with a two-headed monster at now right back. Insane. And that offensive line, I think that he can bounce back in a big way. This coming season. Maybe we'll find out. I, I mean, again, it's got to be that that what was going on in Seattle was more about the circumstances than about him. But we got to know that, and there's no way to know that yet. He's running for his right. life. The last I understand that. Years. I completely understand what you're saying. But we got to know that in order to, in order to, for, to see it play out that way. All this being said, the ultimate trump card will forever to me be the not having a quarterback thing. You will never get me to sign up for a scenario where the team doesn't have a quarterback because you have no chance, none, zero. You cannot gimmick your way to this thing. Even having a quarterback, you might not be able to do it. But you have zero chance without a quarterback. And I, I, we keep trying to play this game where you could draft a quarterback every five years and hope that it works out. And and you could. You could hope that. But what are the odds of that actually playing out? And how do those odds measure against the odds of paying someone slightly more than maybe what they're worth vis-a-vis another player? Uh, you'll never get me to sign up for the scenario where we don't have a quarterback. I can't fathom signing up for that scenario. We, I know we want to come off very smart. We want to say, well, this guy, it just isn't worth this. And you're just not, at the end of the day, what is it worth to not have a quarterback? It, define that to me. Define what it's worth to not have a quarterback. And, and I can't do that, so I'll always choose the other. A uh, hundred times out of a hundred. Um, let me throw you these other uh, Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios while I got you. Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com. By the way, my official prediction is they are not going to sign him between now and the start of the season. I mean, at this point, I don't know. You know, like, that's my official yeah, prediction. I mean, I, he's going to play right. for twenty-three million this year. I, I get it, and again, at, at the moment, and I don't know how he's going to do that. I mean, yeah, I, now God, he's going to live God, on that. God, for, God forbid, Jesus, I struggle with that. Um, I think they're going to let him play one more year, see what happens. I'm not saying I like it, like it, dislike it, whatever. Um, my I, the my only, guess the is the only side of this I really don't get, and I and I mean this wholeheartedly. If I'm Lamar Jackson, and they're simply lowballing me and it really is 35 million dollars and we all know what the market is for a quarterback i'm demanding a trade at some point because i'm looking at i'm seeing how desperate teams are for quarterbacks at this moment and while you could say hey they might be just as desperate next year maybe 
or four of these guys that nobody is in love with in this draft class all happen to work out this year, and there isn't nearly as needy a quarterback market a year from now. What I know right now is teams are desperate for quarterbacks. There are sure. there are 12 teams in the league that have confidence in their quarterback situation going into next year. There are seven teams that don't have anyone on the roster that's a qualified NFL quarterback. If I'm Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are simply saying, we're not going to do this, I'm demanding a trade at some point and saying the okay. market is too good. And they don't. that doesn't mean the Ravens have to trade him. They could just say, hey, sorry, Chief, too bad. Like, but at some point, I'm causing a stink because the market is way too good for me to not want to cash in right now. Um, no, would be the route that I would. I mean, I, I just don't. I, I think if they would have signed, it would have been done by now. And I, and and the real issue is why why aren't the real question is tell us why you're not signing him. Well, and the, it, their answer might be it, we've got somebody in mind that we're going to try to land in free agency, and if they don't land that guy, then you know. The, the money looks a certain way, right? They can go right. back and uh, there are things that can still change between now and then. Um, but yeah, I hear you. I, I I definitely hear the what what are what are you waiting for? What could possibly I mean, this change? would all change? How would this change if they signed Devonte Adams? Well, he's going to be tagged. I mean, that's not happening. So well, okay, but <laughs> yeah. what but what if? I mean, you know that they may be saying we can only give Lamar $23 million. And, and, and again, they could sign him to a $200 million deal and make his salary worth $5 million this year, right? right. I, don't, I don't know all of the ways the cap works. But, but yes, they can make it a far it. more better number for them to try to win this year. 100% they could go about doing that. All right, number two, would you rather? Uh, I've, I've, the math has been done. We can get gas prices back under $3 for the rest of the year if we do one month of hard quarantine again. Or no, Lord, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, I mean, if you said to me we would do the hard quarantine in the fall, you know, I might agree to that, but not now. I got golf to play. Yeah, it's a, it's way too important. Way too <laughs> important. And number three, would you? I mean, I don't know how much you care about this. Number three, would you rather? We now know it's not going to be Andy Enfield who will be the next coach at Maryland, but. Uh, would you rather? Uh, Why do we know that? Uh, he just signed a, uh, an extension at USC today, so gotcha. off the table. Uh, well, that worked for him. That worked out favorably for him. If that's what he was trying to do. He played he it perfectly. His, he got his agent to blow his name one, out. One hundred percent. He played it perfectly. <laughs> if that was the, now again, as I said before, it, it's easy uh, to assume that's what he was trying to do. There is also the scenario where he genuinely wanted the Maryland job, but Maryland said, you know, pulled out their pockets and were like, "Hey, sorry, Chief, this is what yeah, we, we can don't offer." Have right? Like it's just the way that it goes. Right. Um, anyway, the, the number three. Would you rather Maryland loses tomorrow night and then stuns the world? They lure Tony Bennett away from Virginia to be their next head coach, or right. or Maryland stuns the world, wins the Big Ten tournament an upset heavy way. I mean, upsets all over the place. They beat Michigan State and they beat a Wisconsin team without Johnny Davis. They beat Ohio State and Rutgers to win the Big Ten tournament, and then they mm-hmm. hire Danny Manning as their coach. Is Johnny Davis out? By the way, we don't know yet. I don't think I, I haven't checked again in the last. That two was a hours. nasty foul, by it, the way. Yeah, it was. I agree. Um, but as of as of when I looked again this morning, we did not have an answer yet on Johnny Davis. Um, what was the first one? Lose and what happens? Uh, oh, apparently, Johnny Davis told people that he thinks he's going to be good, able to play. But okay, you know, whatever that means. What was the first scenario? Lose. They and lose what and they lure Tony Bennett away from Virginia. Oh. Oh, I would take that in a heartbeat. They're going to lose anyway. 
what the other scenario they don't drew i don't know if you oh, I, did oh, you right, listen yeah, to the whole nah, thing the other scenario they win nah, the big 10 tournament I'll, I'll pass on we'll pass on danny okay we're good all right. We're good. Give us Tony Bennett. All right. What's coming up at Drew's Give morning? Give us Tony Bennett. All right. What's coming up at Drew's morning? Morningdish.com. Golf. The players, baby. Of course. Of course. Who's, who's winning? And, and, um, was winning? Can't, can't tell me what he had for for dinner at Glory Days. You can't tell I am me. Gonna, well, <laughs> this is, a, this you is know, what you, you do for a living. I know. This is what you put me on the spot. I got... Four guys that I've I've counted this week ask, heavily. Ask me who's winning I'm, Indian Wells. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say um, Hovland is your winner. Okay, back to back. No, he didn't win last week. Oh, okay, I don't know. Um, just... I'm gonna say Hovland's your winner. I like Sam Burns. Um, someone always kind of sniffs around who, who is that Sam Burns. Sam Burns won twice in five weeks sure. back in the fall. Sure. Um, you're Someone always kind of slips around that you don't that you don't know. You know, the one year it was Harold Varner. There's somebody who always kind of hangs around. Um, I think Russell Knox has got a chance. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about Russell Knox. That's my guy. I, I think Russell Knox has got a chance. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see him hanging around. I'm I'm going to say Hovland wins. Okay, all right, uh, very good. I think he's the best of all of those younger guys. I, I, even though more Kawas won a little more. I think Hovland's the best of of those. He's just not a great chipper. But when you hit it to twenty feet on every hole, you don't have to be a great chipper. Sure, I've, I've been saying that for a long time, though. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the way I've always said it. And it's a, a golf tournament. I, I will sure. say that they they have really created themselves. A, you know, the big argument this week, of course, they're revisiting the whole. It should be a major. It's kind of hard to do that in midstream. What do you do retroactively? Do you give Ricky? Fowler a major? Do you give, you know, AJ Toy a didn't major? Fred Funk win the players at one point. Fred Funk won the players, yeah. but it's a it's a major in every possible way because the golf course is extraordinarily challenging. The field's great. The money's huge. It's a major in every way, except right. they don't it, call it a major. Call it one. I get it. I yeah. get it. All right, at It's a Hooded Four Iron on Twitter is how you follow him. Drewsmorningdish.com to see all this stuff. Drew Forrester, appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you all next right, week. It's Drew Forrester checking in with us here on GCR. All right, Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Would you rather the Ravens give Lamar Jackson the Aaron Rodgers deal or take that package from the Texans? Lamar Jackson gets Aaron Rodgers deal. Uh, there was a point when Drew Locke was Davis Mills. I'm, 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 I'm good. Give me Lamar. Um, I am... I, I, as I've said a billion times, I don't know how this is even debatable. I, I, and I kept having, coming back to this in conversations yesterday with a lot of folks. I, I am, um, I can't fathom the scenario by which you choose not having a quarterback. I mean, I just can't fathom. I was asked if there was a limit, right? Somebody, I'm trying to remember who it was that asked me this yesterday. I think it might have been uh, Randy, who writes with uh, Drew. I said, is there a limit? Is there a point at which you just say, I, you can't? And the answer is actually yes. If Lamar Jackson is trying to go beyond market value, if Lamar Jackson says, it's $60 bucks or no, you're not doing that. You're not breaking the system for your quarterback. But for market value, and we got to deal with that, that's what this is, is market value 100%. There is no world in which 
I am choosing the scenario where I don't have a quarterback. I cannot. Never. I cannot fathom the thought process. We've been there, and it, it ain't good. I, it, again, the answer back being you can always draft one, right? Like yeah. That's the answer that somebody gives you. And again, if it was the Texans, for example, you'd have the number three pick. So you'd have the, your choice of whatever quarterback you want. Of course, nobody thinks there's a quarterback that's worth a number three pick in this class. You can always find another quarterback. You found Lamar with the 32nd pick in the draft, right? You can always find another quarterback. But, but banking on that, that being my strategy for how I'm going to compete versus having a quarterback... You can't make those numbers work to me. It, it is utterly impossible for me to be able to make those numbers work. So it's just sort of what it is. A um, bunch of responses that have come in over this one, and, you know, it's somewhat split when it comes to where people are. Not not everyone. Um, from uh, Ken Zalis, pay him. From Paul and Ovilando, give him the money. From Matt, uh, two, yeah, give him the 200, but I want more years to reap the benefits from the cap. No, you don't get to do this. It's four years. I understand why you say I want more years in the deal. I get that. I'm telling you that's what the deal is. It's four years, $200 million. You don't get to play around with that. Ian says make the trade. Um, from uh, Chris, Chris says to do, 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 uh, trade him to the Texans. No player in a salary cap sport is worth that money. Uh, John Proctor, as tempting as it would be to see what this front office could assemble with those picks, Lamar is an MVP who deserves a payday and who is exciting to watch Lamar all day. Uh, Simon signed Lamar to the Rodgers contract. Even though I think Seattle won their trade, Lamar is a a once-in-a-generation talent. From uh, Chris, Chris says... Uh, Glenn, I guess I would be forced to make the trade because I just don't think that that number is wise. I know people will probably say I'm insane, but I still think that ultimately there has to be a number at which it becomes correct. I'm not really sure what you think that you mean there, Chris, but sure, we'll listen to it. Number two, which, by the way, there are also people that are offended, and I, and I need you to know, if, if you're offended, look at yourself. It's a game. It's called Would You Rather. It's very simple. It's not hard. I know I know that we think everything is very deep and everything is very consequential. It's not. It's a game. Get a hold of yourself. That's it. Number two, would you rather? You've done the math. One month of hard quarantine. Hard quarantine. Back to the first month that this all began. You ain't going anywhere. There's no sports. There's no nothing. There's no evading it, getting around it. It's when this this isn't like by that summer when we all kind of cheated and said we're not going to quarantine any longer. It's that first month when we were all in our houses for a month. One month of hard quarantine. Gas prices back down under $3. Or nope, no way, not doing it. Oh, give me the month of quarantine. I can do so much around the house. I haven't played video games in a while. I can get back into that for a month. Give me the give me the month. I I, I look, man. I I'm in a weird place because I actually didn't that that first month of hard quarantine. I didn't hate because I got to spend it with my young kids and I got young kids and it's time that I'll. It, it, I always I talked a lot about how conflicted I was about all this because it was an awful time for the entire world but yet at the same time personally I got to spend a lot of time with my kids and it didn't crush me I mean I I lost a lot of money but it didn't crush me in a way that like it crippled my family financially um I kept my job here I lost a lot of other jobs you know there was it was a bad time but I got to spend a lot of time with my kids and so I would be the first person that should probably step up and say 
yeah, sign me up. I'm doing it. But I'm in a weird place where I can't. I just, it's too soon, man. You know, like, it's it's too soon to it's ask the entire, month. no, 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 to ask the entire country after everything that we've been through to go back inside for a month. I, I know that everybody's circumstances are different, but, like, the people that live by themselves, I don't think we gave a lot of thought to how that impacted them. I think there's the idea that, like, well, you know, you could get on Zoom, you can do certain things. I, if it was a week, I might be in a different place. A month, I don't think. I don't think I could do another month of hard quarantine at this point and ask everybody else to. Like, could I personally? Yeah. I I could. I, I would be all right. But to ask everyone to do it again, I, I realized there were a lot of negative impacts there. There were a lot of negative oh, impacts. Yeah. So I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think that's the case. Um, responses all over the place. Uh, for this one a lot of people i mean i mean i'd say all over the place there's two options right so everybody's response is one way or the other uh kz one month count me in that's a small price to pay from paul i'll take the month of quarantine gas prices have already increased two dollars or so since the beginning need to get this under control asap uh from ian no shot i'm signing up for quarantine bs again from nick if everyone else was on board and it was a guaranteed month i'd 100 percent do the quarantine i do think that that's one of the things people are struggling with is like we were remember we were originally told it was two weeks right two weeks and we'll get all this under control and then you know we saw what happened and so i think there is a trust problem that people have with this you tell me i got to do this for a month okay fine until all of a sudden four months later and you're like hey it's uh, just just trust us just trust us i think that's part of the problem and i can't disagree with that um from chris i'm not doing a hard quarantine again i'll take my chances on the gas prices simon this sucks but we're not going back to lockdown i'm not buying an air fryer i'm not making any more sourdough i'm not getting on peloton no from john proctor give me the quarantine i can handle a few more weeks maybe we just start taxing the s out of the oils companies who keep raising the prices hey i hear you um uh from lou three dollar gas 100 percent 30 days of pain for eight months of freedom i I'm going to back off. It's still paying $3 a gallon of gas. You're not getting the gas for free in the trade-off. Like, it's still costing you money. I get it. It's much less. And over the course of the year, I'm trying to figure out what the number would be. You know, it's probably a couple hundred bucks less that you're going to end up paying for gas over the course of a year doing something like that. And I get it. That's nice. But is it the trade-off that's worth hard quarantine? And as uh, Dan points out, uh, Glenn, the problem with signing up for hard quarantine is, again, not knowing if you're going to lose your job. If you can promise me that we're not going to lose jobs and that everything bounces back afterwards, sure. But seeing what happened the last time, nah, can't do it. I appreciate that he said nah instead of uh-uh. <laughs> I actually like nah better. I'm a fan of nah. And number three, would you rather uh, Maryland loses tomorrow night and then stuns the world by luring away Tony Bennett from Virginia or Maryland wins the Big Den tournament, albeit an upset heavy Big Ten tournament where they kind of fluke their way to a title, and then because they won the Big Ten title, they have no choice, but they got to go make Danny Manning the head coach. Uh, number one. Okay. I, I think Danny Manning is capable of having success, but not the success that people are hoping for at Maryland. I don't think he's the guy. If, if you're getting an elite head coach out of this, number one all the way. Okay. Uh, Paul, I'll take Manning over Bennett. Bennett teams are like watching paint dry. I can't take that after 10 years of trying to figure out what kind of offense Turgeon was trying to run. Uh, KZ, Bennett, I'm in this for the long haul. 
Daniel at first said, this is the best one you've done. I don't have an answer. And then when I said, hey, man, rules are rules, he said it, He said he would go with Bennett. Same for Ian, Bennett 100%. Um, from uh, Noah, the first option by a lot. This team wouldn't do anything in the NCAA tournament, even if they somehow won the Big Ten. John with the answer that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about here. John L. says, um, uh, the Manning choice, I always want teams to win now. Nothing in the future is guaranteed. From uh, Chris, short-term versus long-term, give me Tony Bennett. Um, uh, uh, Lou says, it's a win-win, but I guess if I'm forced to pick, I'll go with Tony Bennett. I'm going to go back to John's answer, which is, if Mark Turgeon had won one Big Ten tournament, that would have been enough for me to say I'm good here. Winning a conference tournament's a really big deal at a major level. Gary Williams won one. One. And it was with fewer teams in the league. He didn't have to win four games in four days. He had to win three in three days. He won with a number six seed in the 2004 ACC tournament, a team that was a bubble team to even get into the NCAA tournament at that point. Gary Williams won one ACC tournament ever in his tenure. Winning a conference tournament is a very difficult thing to do. It is a significant accomplishment, however you go about doing it. We still have memories of that 2014, despite the fact that, again, that 2014 was not a good team. They were a very mediocre team. But they happened to win the ACC tournament, and we still talk about it. I know I lessened it by saying you're not going to go beat Iowa, and you're not going to go beat Purdue. You're not going to beat the top teams in the Big Ten, Illinois. But still, or I, I took Johnny Davis out of the equation, so you wouldn't even beat the Wisconsin team with Johnny Davis. But still, what it would do, how it would galvanize people to win four games in four days, for everybody to wake up Sunday morning saying, Maryland's playing for a Big Ten title today. What that does to a community, I can't diminish. I like Tony Bennett. I think Tony Bennett's a hell of a coach, obviously. We know he's a national championship caliber coach, and I'd love to have Tony Bennett. But I'm... I think it's tough, too, to trade away an actual accomplishment for the hope of accomplishment. And I get it. We all think that Tony Bennett is such a good coach. Remember, Virginia's not good this year. We all think that Tony Bennett is such a good coach that no matter what, he's going to replicate his success. And you could argue his style is even better for the Big Ten than it would be necessarily for the ACC. As some people have pointed out, I don't really like the style. It's... it's it is tough to watch Virginia slog out 60 to 52 games, 54 to 46 games. I've said all along, if I'm winning, I'm, I kind of don't care, right? Like, it's not, no, it's not necessarily fun every night, but if you're winning those games, who gives a rat's ass? Give me, give me victories. But it is tough for me to pass up on the idea of winning a conference championship. I, that's a difficult thing for any program to do. So, I'm giving Danny Manning the shot, personally, if that were to play out, because it would be that exciting to win something of significance, and it's been 18 years since the University of Maryland has won anything of significance. So I, I just can't easily pass that up. Continue to give me your responses, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Or at Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio, where Would You Rather Wednesday is posted. It is always brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Underdog fantasy football. So much fun. Use the code PRESSBOX. Make your first deposit up to $100, and we'll match it with free money for you to play with. Underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app. 
They've got hockey basketball contests going on right now. And while you can't bet on your phone or your computer here in the state of Maryland just yet, you can play underdog fantasy football and feel like you're betting with player props, parlays, things along those lines. Again, underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app. We'll come back in, get a tidbit, get tubular to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on the bat around gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience but there are risks involved if you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer know your limit stay within it set a budget and a time to stop remember gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling for free and confidential services call 1-800-GAMBLER 24 7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org we can't imagine why you'd want to but you can watch gcr live it's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, winding down for a Wednesday. People are taking this, uh, would you rather, very personally today. It's very weird. I, I have no idea. I, and again, I say I have no idea. I have said before, I understand that we have lost touch of reality in relation to Lamar Jackson because we've dealt with really awful things. And for so for some reason, we just assume that everything is terribly um, offensive and you know everybody hates Lamar Jackson. And by the way, those people are real and they exist and there's no doubt about it. There are also parlor games. What we do is a parlor game. And you don't have to play. You don't have to. I, I swear. You don't, if you don't like it, you don't have to. Um, there's plenty of things that I ignore on the Internet, too, for what it's worth. An ungodly number of things that I ignore on the Internet. Um, it, 
if you want to ignore us, by all means, please, by all means. I just don't understand the, um, I say, again, I, I understand, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with those of you that think that it's offensive to play a game. It's a game. By the way, it also wouldn't be offensive. And it's, it's important for me to say this. It's not offensive if someone's answer is, I simply would never pay a quarterback this amount of money. I disagree. I just disagree. Drew came on here and said, I'm not doing that. I disagree. Wholeheartedly disagree. But it's not offensive. We're misconstruing two things. We're misconstruing actual legitimate racism, which is real and exists, and make that abundantly clear. It is real, and it is does exist, and Lamar Jackson absolutely is the subject of real racism with football conversation. There is nothing wrong with having football conversation. I've said a billion times, I am concerned about what I saw from Lamar Jackson versus the Blitz in four games last year. It concerns me. Not to the extent that I'm not paying him, but it concerns me. It's okay to have football conversation. We have gotten lost because we think football conversation is just racism. No, there is there's a lot of real racism. A lot of it. Football, legitimate football conversation. And you'll know when things aren't legitimate football conversation. And you'll know when someone's just banging a drum for the sake of banging a drum because they're trying to play to a crowd. There is a legitimate football conversation to have about the quarterback bubble on the whole in terms of contracts. That's a legitimate conversation that needs to be had. At what point does the bubble burst? I've said before, I don't think the bubble bursts until you're talking about literally 50% of your cap. Because that's how important the quarterback position is. You don't have a quarterback, you have no chance. But I'm willing to talk about it. There is no nothing wrong with having a conversation in relation to at what point is a player simply not worth X percentage of your cap. Let's talk about it. Let's have that conversation. You don't need to be scared of it or offended by it or assume that it's having that conversation equals racist. They need to have that conversation in Cleveland with a white quarterback. They do. They have to have that conversation. I've said before, it's easy for us to say you can't pay Baker Mayfield that money. Well, Have you seen who the Browns quarterbacks were over the years? Could you understand why maybe there might be somebody in Cleveland who would be afraid of what it would be if it's not Baker Mayfield? They know that guy's limited, but who the hell is it going to be if it ain't him? They got to have a conversation about it. What percentage of the cap are you willing to spend on Baker Mayfield? Obviously, you should be willing to spend more on Lamar Jackson. But it's just not how the system always works. The system works that you have a quarterback, you pay him, whatever the price is. Do I think Lamar Jackson is as good as Pat Mahomes? No. But do I think that matters in this conversation? Not at all. Do I know that he's as good as Josh Allen? At moments, he has been. Would I bet on that today? Probably not. I think Josh Allen has established himself as number two of the young quarterbacks. I mean, I don't, how you factor Aaron Rodgers into that conversation, I don't know. But I think of the younger quarterbacks. Josh Allen has established himself as number two. And Joe Burrow is certainly in the, the conversation, for sure. But does that mean that their numbers are going to be drastically different? No, it's not how quarterback contracts work. 
We can talk about it. It's okay to have actual conversation. It's all right. Tubular. Oh, no, Tidbit. We do Tidbit first. Tidbit is brought to you by Simply the Bets. If you missed it yesterday, every Tuesday we do Simply the Bets at 1140 a.m. It's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Aaron Oster from VEASAN, Bruce Billick, general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook. They join us for Simply the Bets every week. And tomorrow, the first episode of Weekend at Bookies, we'll be doing it um, not every Thursday and somewhere between every other Thursday and every Thursday, you know, like maybe 60% of Thursdays, something like that. We'll be doing Weekend at Bookies. The first one is tomorrow. Again, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, where I'm telling you, you need to get your reservations in for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. They are they are expecting massive crowds. So if you want to be there next week, email events at sportssocialmd.com and find out what's available. Make your reservation. Of course, uh, Rodney Elliott and I will be there this Sunday, 3 o'clock for the Big Ten Championship game and the selection special. Looking forward to hanging out with you in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Okay, so this one isn't topical based on what we've been talking about this week, but it's important, and it's a local thing, so I went with it. Uh, so on Saturday, Loyola men's lacrosse picked up their first win of the season, defeating Lafayette 14-12. In the game, graduate student Aiden Olmstead scored a career-high five goals to go along with one assist for team leading six points on the day. The six-point performance pushed Olmstead into the top five scoring leaders in school history, where he currently sits fourth with 189 points. Which players round out the top five in points in Loyola University history, and which active player is two points from moving into a tie for fifth? Um, I mean, that would be Lindley. Yes, he is. Uh, he is seventh right now at one hundred and eighty-three. It's um, uh, it's Pat Spencer, of He's course, number one, three hundred and eighty points. Uh, man, and I I know this. Gary Hanley is second, correct? He's second at three hundred and eleven. That's who points. Spencer passed. Now remembering who's third, I'm I'm gonna struggle with. Nobody else has gotten to two hundred yet. Yeah, I don't know that I'm gonna come up with who number three is. I want to say it's somebody a little bit older. I don't. I want to say it's not somebody from this generation because I would know that. You'd be correct. I, I went with this because I I know that you're their play-by-play guy. So I, yeah. I so I thought yeah, you might know more yeah. about this. I I. I, I is it Tim O'Shea? He is fifth at 185 okay. points. I, I'm not going to come up with it. Who is it? Pat Lannon, 190 oh, yeah. points, okay. 192 okay. points. Yeah, we would have been here all day. I, I wouldn't have come up with that. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's very specific. Obviously, you got to be. It's for me and not a whole lot of other people, mm-hmm. right? Um, Gary Hanley was who passed. Honest to God, if if he hadn't been the guy that Pat Spencer passed, I probably wouldn't have come up with Gary Hanley either, right, just because I had to go back so far. Um, But, yeah, uh, uh, Aiden Olmstead, who had a a really wicked goal the last game that I did. Uh, And then Kevin – no, it was Lindley who had the wicked goal, and he became the Patriots League's all-time leading goal scorer uh, by doing it. So that was a cool moment. Loyola's got a tough one on Saturday as they face Duke. Hey, know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Here's what's coming up. Totally tubular. Totally tubular tonight. Navy plays the Patriot League title. They take on Colgate, 730 on CBS Sports Network. You can watch the game 
root for Navy at the moment. Obviously, the best chance for an area team to be in the NCAA tournament. That can, of course, change. For example, UMBC tonight, 7 o'clock, hosts Hartford on ESPN Plus in the America East semifinals. If they win that, they'll be in the championship game, most likely at Vermont. But it, there's also the slim possibility they could host it on Saturday. But they got to win the night first. Coppin State opens the uh, MEAC tournament tonight, 8.30 against Howard on ESPN+. Plus. Big Ten tournament gets underway. Nebraska and Northwestern at 6. Minnesota, Penn State at 8.30 on Big Ten Network. There's no other championship games tonight, only the Patriot League championship game. And so that's the only ticket that will be punched this evening. The rest of the college hoops, find at glennclarkradio.com. ESPN is Suns Heat at 7.30, Blazers Jazz at 10. NBC Sports Washington is Wizards Clippers at 10.30. TNT for Capitals Oilers at 8, Canadians Canucks at 10.30. CBS Champions League action, Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain at 3 o'clock, or however you pronounce it. Tennis Channel for the uh, first day of the ATP and WTA, BNP Paribas Open, which is a big one. At, uh, out at Indian Wells, it's 2 o'clock. USA Network for the Paralympics tonight at 9. TBS for AEW Dynamite at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, yeah, so you're going to have Samuel L. Jackson on uh, Jimmy Fallon tonight. That's just the way he talks. Um, you're going to have the Andy Warhol Diaries premiering on Netflix. It's a Netflix documentary. The Bombardment, it's a Netflix film. Um, and The Last Kingdom Season 5, uh, it's a Netflix series. It premieres today. And on Hulu, it's Pam and Tommy... I believe this is the finale. It's yeah. a series finale. Yes, unless you're doing a season. Two. No, I can't they, imagine they them said, wrapping they it up. They said this is it. They yeah. said this is it. And again, I, I, it's I, it's sputtered. It is. It is not. There is nothing more to do here. Yeah, I didn't. Like, I didn't hate last week's episode. I, I, the problem, as I said a week ago, the, and you weren't here. The problem with this show is they presented it as one thing, and then after, I was here for that. We had that conversation. Uh, we, you and I had that. Yeah. How would that be possible? Because it was on Wednesday. But I hadn't watched the episode yet from Wednesday. We were talking about the previous week's episode. That when it was about Pam getting discovered. It was just the, okay, all yeah. right. It was just that. Um, it, there's just nothing left. There's there's nothing left to do. There's nothing left to say. You, you close it up, find out that, you know, I, I assume uh, what's-his-face is going to jail. Like, you know, you get to that point. But there's just nothing left for the show to say. The, the reality is the show people wanted was really about the insanity of Pam and Tommy. Like, they mm-hmm. wanted more of the craziness of that this show is trying to pr- project the victimhood and I get that because that that shouldn't be lost within the story but there's just not more to say about that right like there's there's not a whole lot I think a documentary would probably be better suited for doing that and maybe following the impact that it had on Pamela Anderson for years and the impact that it had on society and sex tapes and things along those lines and how women were taken advantage of. I think a documentary could do a great job with that. An entertainment show, you, you just can't convey that in the same way. It's it's too, to, to go from, again, the talking to the penis scene to this, it, it's just sputtered. It, you know, it's, it's, it's limp into the finish line. I'll, I've made it this far, so I'm going to watch the final yeah, episode. You don't give up on series. Yeah, but I'm, I, I'm not... I'm not excited about it in any way. I'm mm-hmm. not, I did watch uh, the first episode of Winning Time last night. Great. Wonderful. I'll all, have to check that out today. All in. Had, I did not know. I thought I had read. This is the funny part. I thought I had read, because I love Jeff Perlman. I thought I had read that book um, that this series is based on. Maybe I, I do not remember how much of a complete, a-hole Jerry West was. I do, did not remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I greatly enjoyed it in the first episode. It's excellent. It's excellent. 
Um, so I'm all in on winning time. Excited about that continuing. Uh, Pamela Anderson has taken her uh, resurgence into reemergence into the spotlight. She's going to be making the, her debut on Broadway here soon. I, I can't remember. Very the odd. Look it up like on the super, show. Super but weird. She's going to be in a Broadway play. It's a, it's very weird. It's very weird. Um, but good good for her, I guess. I think she kind of went a little nuts, if I remember right. Like they all do at some point. I think that she like I know she's that she I think want to say was dating Julian Assange for a while, if I remember correctly. Like while he was living in the who is that? That's the WikiLeaks guy that was holed up in the oh, embassy okay. in I don't even remember what city Paris I think that like lived in like a two room like apartment and didn't get out and see the sun. I'm pretty sure the story was that she was dating him for a bit, like. I, I think Pamela Anderson kind of went a little off the off the grid. What I think she just kind of went the a little extremist for a bit there. You know, mm-hmm. God bless her if she's she's. Uh, uh, who cares? You could be a good person. I guess is all <laughs> I really care about. Be a good person. Be a good mother. Be a good person. That's all that really matters. All right. Uh, thanks today to uh, Richard Njoku from Navy. Thanks also today to um, Longwood coach Griff Aldrich, the former UMBC assistant, as they get ready for the NCAA tournament. And also thanks to Drew Forrester. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, uh, Kevin Brown's going to join us. He, of course, is taking over as the lead TV play-by-play guy for the Orioles, which is, at this point, a very good move for them, given who they have. Look, I I love Kevin. I would still probably prefer to have Gary Thorne in my life, like no, not with no disrespect whatsoever. That's just Gary Thorne that we're talking about. But Kevin's been outstanding, and and given the choices, I think this was an obvious decision for the Orioles he to make. He brings a fair amount of levity I, to I, the broadcast. I think Kevin's done a tremendous job, and I uh, also I understand now that he's moved to Baltimore, and so he wants to get. I, I do think that's part of the issue. Is you need to make sure, like I loved him doing the the thing from the wire thing. Uh, when Omar passed away, when Michael K. Williams passed away, but at the same time, like you gotta, you you gotta know the community. Mm-hmm. And if there was any knock on Gary Thorne, it's that he very much did not know the community. Right. You know, he would remind you of that constantly when he would say things like Registertown Road. Um, <laughs> in order to have that type of deep relationship with someone, you gotta know the community. So I'm glad that Kevin Brown's moving to Baltimore and and entrenching himself here. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, is Chance Campbell going to join us? 10.05, yes. He's okay. call Chance me. Campbell uh, was with Maryland. Um, of course, Calvert Hall alum, Ellicott City native. And then finished up his career at uh, Mississippi. He had a heck of a combine. Is definitely going to hear his name called in the NFL draft. We'll talk to him tomorrow. And Rodney Elliott will check in with us, talk some college hoops before he joins me at uh, Live Casino and Hotel on Sunday, plus stuff and things as well. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including... Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Navy, go UMBC, go Coppin. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. <laughs>